Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we break down all the players to be uh, named later, and they, those that are gone, 10 All-Stars traded this week, three top 100 prospects. This was the most active, wildest trading deadline ever, and we're going to try to cover it in one podcast and see how we do. Uh, before we dive into that, though, uh, as always, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn for all your snacking needs for baseball games Baseball trades and movies of choice come hungry, leave happy. The weekend tapered off wonderfully as far as weather goes uh, versus the the 90-degree stuff you guys were uh, doing out in the, at the wagon. This is why people live in Wisconsin. This weekend was why yep. people live in Wisconsin. It's 72 to 76, very low humidity. You might get a storm at the end of the day, but in the mid midday, we don't have to live like Floridians where you get those pop-up storms all the time. Yeah, people are coming out the, the wagon was busy these last couple days, and that's okay. When it's when it's like this, I don't mind the business. It sounds like it's gonna get a little hot again. Our air conditioner has been running kind of weird lately. I had to look at the elect I had to go actually down and do some electrical work electrical work on it. And I'm fairly mechanical, but electrical work's a little different, but I think I got it running again. So uh, your your hair isn't looking like uh Christopher no. uh uh, who I think for oh, back to Christopher the Christopher Lloyd. No, yeah, no, yeah. not I did not get electrocuted <laughs> and I even cut my hair off this week. It was getting so it's getting a little warm in Wisconsin, so I got to keep it a little cool, and I also wanted to look good. And you know, I got a new job starting up here in the next month. After after the first month, I figure I'll just let it grow again. And then, but I got to look good, or at least initially, at the new job. So I shaved mine down a couple weeks ago myself. Yeah, so yeah. We're, we're both sporting that's the right. uh, the summer the, looks. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and we'll enjoy the the end of summer into into fall. And with that, there's transitions not only for seasons, but also for teams that are wanting to. Uh, uh, get into their fall with playoff hopes. We'll look at that uh, as soon as we take care of some uh, injuries. There was some unfortunate <laughs> injury some big news names this on week. This, there's some big names on this yeah, list this week. Yeah, believe me, I know. Yeah, well, I got uh, one. To, I'll, I'll start with my team's big name. So, hey, COVID's still around. We've talked about this. And guess what? It's getting a little worse. At least more people are testing positive. Uh, many of them vaccinated, so it doesn't sound like they're as serious, but they're getting it. So the Brewers had... The first round of COVID was, I think, last Sunday, and Christian Yelich is, we've talked, he's been cold, but he tested positive for COVID, and Jace Peterson was in a close contact, so he hit the IL, and then the second round of COVID hit Milwaukee yesterday with a couple of relief pitchers, Jake Cousins, who's actually related to Kirk Cousins, uh, his cousin, and a different relief pitcher, uh, and Gustave, who was in the close contact there, so they've had... Their round of COVID, they made brought in some relief pitchers, so they actually haven't really had to make any moves yet, but that was their COVID. And then the Nationals had a big bout of COVID this week, including some of the players that they traded. So we'll talk about Trey Turner and Daniel Hudson in a little bit. They were each traded to the West Coast, but as far as I know, they have not moved yet because they're sitting on the COVID IL right now. So we're getting, we're trying to beat COVID. It hasn't really happened yet. We're, we're getting closer now. Oh, where should I go now? Okay, Taylor Rogers. So Taylor Rogers is a twin. There, we all thought the Trent twins were going to trade. They did make some trades, but Taylor Rogers hurt his finger right before the trade deadline hit. So they had to keep him. Now they moved another relief pitcher. We'll get to him. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk your team's bullpen because Pierre Fairbanks hit the IL with a shoulder injury. Who hasn't hit the IL at this point? <laughs> I think that's the. 
I was seeing the numbers uh, for them. They're, the player called up was the from one of their trades, uh, uh, one of the lower-tier trades that they made, who was a AAA call-up now to the, the majors. Kevin Cash joked with them saying, you know, it uh, may not be long before we have to call your name up uh, here within it, and it happened much sooner than I think he anticipated. Think but that was player number 49. I think the Brewers are at 56. I think I heard the Brewers are at 56. It's, it's been a weird year, right? Yeah. Like, in, we, And we sort of said this was going to happen. The weird 60-game season yep. always was going to throw this into it. was always going to make this a new year. So, yeah, it's been a lot now. But do you lose your closer? Uh, you just lost your key uh, middle, uh, like, multi-inning reliever uh, in Colin McHugh not long before that. Uh, and uh, now your, your ace uh, that yep. is a- officially uh, looking at Tommy John's surgery as well. So uh, he was coming. So... We've really only seen, I texted, Amanda, I know is a big fan. So I texted her about this and she said, you know, why does he have to get it? And I said, well, the only one I can ever think of that's truly avoided this with the problem is Masahiro Tanaka, right? He pitched for years with a partially torn UCL and it's also a very different pitcher than Tyler Glass. Now he's not yep. throwing yep. hundred miles an hour. He's not, Tyler Glass is also very tall. Now I know that Zach Gallen is sort of trying to do the same thing and I don't know. I, Denelson Lamette tried to do it for years, and we've seen him have two Tommy John surgeries. So, yeah, I always it always seemed like this was still the most likely outcome. Now, did it really slow down the process at all? Probably not. He was probably going to miss at least most of next season anyways. If, if you were lucky, you might have got him back by the end of like the stretch run, like September, like, October, and then you see still Syndergaard. don't know what he's going to be capable of. Kind of like, like what Chris Sale is yeah. looking at right now. That would be the best-case scenario. But I think where I come down on this anymore is it's time to end. Whoever's doing these medical, uh, you're presenting options that aren't realistic options. What, there's maybe a 10% success rate of uh, those that hold off that can actually not avoid the surgery? I, those aren't good odds. And all it does is ruin future seasons, both for earning power for the player and the playoff hopes for for a team. Like it, This isn't a realistic option anymore. And with the success rate of Tommy John, I get... Surgery is invasive 100% within it. I get those that want to not do it, but at the end of the day, if you actually want to play, if this is what you need, all you're being given is false hope. It's time to end that false hope. It's not a realistic option. Well, let's talk about the other big name who had arm problems, and he's had them all season, and I've said, shut this guy down. So, Jacob deGrom, and once again, now they did say, we're going to shut him down for two weeks. We've heard, he's close. He's close. He's got a little pain, but we're going to keep pitching him. Well, we're back to additional inflammation in his right arm. Now you're looking at I would like September at the best, probably, right? We're probably going to miss this month. He's missing the next month, I would expect. And they should have done this a while ago. They should have done this a while ago. And they didn't. They kept kicking the can down the road. You just hope you didn't make it worse. We want to see Jacob deGrom. Uh, Let's keep it to the the arm injuries here. Tony Gonsolin, he missed a bunch of time earlier in the season with a shoulder injury. He's been back for about a month, I think, now. And he hit the IL again with a shoulder injury. Now, they brought in some pitchers that we'll talk about, but, you know, shoulders are tough. James Caprillion, he's been great this year for the A's. He hit the IL, and he's had a like a history of shoulder injuries. Caprillion was a big prospect for the Yankees, like, three years ago, who's had, I think, two Tommy Johns, and it was great to see him going, but shoulder injury. So, Domingo Herman, shoulder injury. This is what we're talking about when we say the 60-game season was always going to be really hard on pitchers, and... We're in August now. It doesn't seem like it, but the season is two-thirds done, and now we're seeing all these arm injuries and the innings start to catch up. So it's sad. It's scary. We want these guys to stay healthy. Speaking of staying healthy, now we get to the other really big hitter name on this list. Yes. Hey, what do you know? We mentioned early in the year, Fernando Tatis' shoulder was always kind of hanging on by a thread. 
And he dove back into third base last night, two nights ago, uh, last night. I don't remember. doesn't matter. He dove back into third base, and he injured that shoulder again. And so they put him on the IL, but they asked Jace Tingler, the interviewer asked Jace Tingler, what's it look like for his return this season? And he said, well, season-ending shoulder surgery is, quote, on the table here. That's what you didn't want. You did not want that if you're the Padres. You're already trying to make up ground. With Fernando Tatis playing at MVP level, you are trailing the Dodgers and the Giants. Guess what you're not going to make up ground without? Fernando Tatis Jr. So this was always the concern, and and I don't want him to have shoulder sur- shoulder season-ending shoulder surgery, but it certainly sounds possible again. Yeah, the we'll talk about the Padres more when it comes to the, the trade deadline aspect, but uh, there's real concern if they can fend off, especially with the Tatis in question, can they fend off a surging Cincinnati Reds team uh, and others that could be lurking? So it, it's an interesting one to see and uh, something that we'll be monitoring monitoring throughout the month and into September. Well, I got one more Padres injury. Paddock hasn't been particularly good this season. I've mentioned him a few times. He's not pitched very well. That's been part of their problem is they banked on Blake Snell and Chris Paddock being better, and they haven't been. And Paddock hit the aisle with a left oblique strain. Obliques are weird. Sometimes it's two weeks. Sometimes it's a month. I, I didn't hear a whole lot more than that. Jared Walsh is the last name I got on this list. He's been great this season. I, I think I've mentioned that a few times. Jared Walsh has been Overshadowed by the greatness of Shohei Ohtani. surprise for the Angels in the, in the mountain uh, view of uh, Ohtani. Yeah, but Jared Walsh, 22 home runs, 67 RBIs so far this season, but he has a right intercostal strain, which is once it, basically same as an oblique. It's right on that side of your body. I would say you're probably looking at a month again, and the Angels, they're also looking at the out, on the outside looking in as far as the playoffs are concerned, so... Mike Trout is still not back. Jared Walsh is gone, so it's going to be awful hard for them to make up any ground there. Should we go to hot off the presses? Let's do it. Marcelo Zuna. So I guess this is optimistic, positive, I suppose. Uh, It's still not good, but his felony charges, we mentioned it early on. He was going to be charged with a felony. He's not played in, I don't know, was it May, April, somewhere? It was pretty early. It got dropped to a misdemeanor after after the prosecutors saw the body cam footage. So we heard that there was... Body cam footage from a police officer in Atlanta that showed him choking his, I think it's wife, not girlfriend, but lady, and comes out that it wasn't as bad, I guess. They, did, they had to drop the strangulation charge. So you know, I don't want to be like optimistic. He obviously still did something wrong here, but it's better. Maybe we right. see him again. It sounds like he's going to avoid jail time, which it did not sound like that long ago. It's the, again, all within shades of gray, right? Yeah. So it's a matter of uh, looking at uh, uh, everything taking place. No, not a good event, obviously. Not as bad as what it had originally been described or potentially to be. So thankful that as as uh, truth comes out, as you have a chance to get a better understanding picture of what happened, you can now put the, the, the appropriate punishment to the crime. Yeah. Uh, and and dealing with it as that goes. So as that makes its way through the system and then through the MLB code of conduct policy within that, we'll see what happens to uh, to him at this point. And hopefully, uh, what you always hope in the end of any of situation like this is you come out better for it or at least better moving forward, right? We got another unfortunate talk of domestic violence and this one's Starling Castro. So he got a 30-game suspension without pay and a fine by Major League Baseball which rightly deserved. And right after that, the Nats said, we have a zero tolerance policy. That second, that 30 game suspensions up, we're releasing him. So 
go for it. Like if you're, he's found guilty, you, you prosecute him to the full extent. And I thankful, uh, uh, to the nationals response, uh, because the only way this, one of the ways that this improves is by realizing that your financial stream is going to be cut, uh, right? If it's going to help, uh, besides needing to get treatment for any sort of uh, aggressive behavior or before anything escalates to, to more uh, to that, there needs to be different curbs uh, that are in, in place to assist. And one of those curbs is the uh, loss of income. Uh, and if that's if that's how teams, if it's, Maybe with the collective bargaining agreement, that's what comes out as a zero-tolerance policy across the board. It shouldn't just be one team doing that. That should be the standard, and hopefully that is the standard moving forward without any question. Yes, it should. I couldn't agree more there. Oh, let's let's talk Terry Francona here. So Terry Francona, the manager of the Cleveland, still Indians, right? Yeah, still the Indians, is stepping away from the team. This came out on the 29th, so about three days ago, and... He just said he's stepping away to focus on health issues. Now, their team is extremely disappointing at the trade deadline. We'll get to them later. And we don't know what – he didn't say what the health issues are, but if I'm not – he had a health – like a heart thing, if I don't remember – if I'm remembering right back with the, the Red Sox already. So so what caused him to step away in the first yeah, place? Yeah, so he stepped away one other time. So, I, I you know, I'm just speculating. I'm guessing there, but that's what I would take a guess on, and you hope that his health improves and he's back next year. It started out because that happened the series that they were playing the Rays, and there's uh, a fun uh, all-in-jest rivalry between Kevin Cash and Terry Francona because Cash was the bench coach for Francona when he was hired with the Rays. Uh, To the point of they'll play pranks on each other within it. Uh, Up on the big screen during batting practice, uh, Francona had their video guys put up uh, Kevin Cash's batting stats uh, up there on the the screen for it. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) And uh, Cash responds by... uh, uh, stealing uh, Francona's uh, bike and putting it out in the middle of the field for batting practice and offering players a hundred bucks so they can hit the. That's awesome. <laughs> so that's, that's there's some entertaining here. stuff that's there, but that's when uh, Francona uh, left that uh, for a couple games with uh, like a bad cold is how it was described, and then all of a sudden you hear uh, stepping away for a while. So again, just hoping that it isn't anything too serious uh, within it that uh, time for rest or whatever's going on with uh, with medical care. Uh, to uh, allow him to come back next year. Speaking of coming back next year, we go to the New York Mets and their strange front office at times. So you may go back a month ago when I talked about 10 players that were notable to listen to in the upcoming MLB draft. Well, one of them was Vanderbilt right-handed pitcher Kumar Rocker, probably the one who is, along with his teammate Jack Leiter, the most famous because those guys, I think they just won the College World Series again this year and extremely highly regarded pair. Well, he, quote, fell a little bit in the draft. He fell to pick 10. So as far as, you know, he's still a top 10 pick and was selected by the New York Mets. And they had until today to, you have until today to sign your draft picks. And Kumar Rocker didn't get signed. So his agent is Scott Boris, who loves his guys to get paid. The Mets said that they had concerns about his elbow. We've seen him pitching recently as far as I know is I watched some of that world series I don't remember him missing time with an elbow and he Boris said he had quote a healthy according to an independent medical review by multiple prominent baseball orthopedic surgeons so he wanted him to get paid and that's what Scott Boris does he wants his players to get paid now the Mets weren't willing to pay him what they what his value was according to him so he's going to go back to Vanderbilt which means the Mets get an additional draft pick next year so I think I said I think 
they drafted him at 10, you get pick 11 next year automatically. Correct. And Kumar Rocker will go back to Vanderbilt and he'll be eligible again in the 2020s who draft. It's we've seen it happen before. It's a little strange. If he does have elbow problems, right? You, you, I hope he doesn't, but he, if he doesn't, he could get his highest pick one. That's certainly within the realm of possibility. But if he does have elbow problems, you could fall substantially. So it's, it's more of a risk always for a pitcher than it is a position player, right? Because those arm injuries can prop up and, uh, and what's not fair uh, to him is if his arm is fine, you now have the stigma of potential health issues by a team saying, Hey, we're not going to sign because we're worried about, uh, about arm issues. Uh, when you're already at pick 10, there's not much further that you can go up. Obviously, you can, but there's always the risk of how much you can slide down. Uh, have you heard any numbers reported or speculated about what the Mets actually offered? I've never heard any uh, any numbers to this point. Give me a second. I know that he was looking for somewhere around, I think, five, six mil, like closer to like top player money. Uh, and so I get the, the hesitation there, but... Everyone knew when the, whenever you drafted him, that was going to be uh, the part of what was needed to actually sign him. It sounds. It looks like the Mets owner Steve Cohen, billionaire owner. We've we've mentioned Steve Cohen before. He he put out a rather strange tweet yeah. that sort of references just that he didn't think he was worth the money. It doesn't really ever give a number, but it's it's clear that Kumar that this was probably not very close. I saw there was one report that they never actually even got a contract on the table here. So it was clearly not close. This wasn't something where they were hashing out numbers together. You, you say, it seems like Boris said a number, uh, Steve Cohen said a number, and it was not very close, and they didn't even really get close it, within the realm of possibilities here. So it sounds like Boris wanted $6 million, and I don't know what the Mets offered. But My guess is Mets would probably be around three. Yeah. And, uh, and neither side was going to like – no. Going up or down by a million for each, neither side was even willing to probably entertain even that, so you were never going to get where you needed to on, on this one. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. Like I said, I don't think anyone wins uh, in, in that scenario, but uh, I forget who it was that was tweeting out, you know, the Astros, after missing their guy, that's how they got Alex Bregman the following year, and there was another team mentioned in the same capacity, but those are more anomalies than they are. It's hard to hit on uh, yeah. picks. It's hard to yep. hit on draft picks. But we have another one that hit. Uh, the big call-up of the week is Reed Detmers. Go back to our 2020 MLB draft, One of our probably one of our very first podcasts because the season hadn't actually started yet. We were just trying to speculate when it was going to start last year, and I loved Reed Detmers. The, the college numbers, that 2020 season, he only got 22 innings at Louisville, and he struck out 48 to six walks. And I remember watching and seeing that curveball. So Detmers – this season between double A and high A, which is his first big league season, 60 innings, 106 strikeouts to 18 walks. That's really good. And so the Angels called him up today. I did not see how he pitched. Did you happen to see how he pitched? Let me see. I didn't. Ooh, let's pull up some stats here. MLB.com. What I what I do know is the uh, we're already seeing a lot of uh, intrigue from the last year's draft class that not only from debuts but also in, in trades. There's a lot of first-round picks that were traded uh, uh, as a deadline, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Give up a few home runs, four and a third, six earned, couple home runs. You know, it's, it's, gonna it's a big league debut. It's yep. big, and it was against a pretty good team. The A's are a good team, so yeah, uh, it's we've seen a lot of a lot of struggles when they've made the jumps to the big leagues. So it's been few and far in between of people who have hit the ground running this year. It's basically Logan Gilbert is the only one I would say that we've seen get called up in the middle of the season has hit the ground running. A lot of guys struggling, but 
Reed Detmer is going to be a really good player someday. And we're not going to do on a heater this week because the next section we're going to do here, the next segment we're going to do is going to be a lot of talk about trades for a while, but we do have to mention Joey Votto. Joey Votto went seven straight games between July 24th and July 29th or July 30th with a home run. During that time, he actually hit nine home runs and he was one game away from the record and he missed it by about seven inches, I would say. So old Joey Votto, you have found the, you've kind of sold out for power, which hey, it works and it's obviously been effective but, and your team's winning a lot. So Reds are seven and three <laughs> in their last 10. So uh, mm-hmm. he is uh, back to carrying that team. Uh, and again, making the wonder uh, if they have a shot yet uh, at the at the postseason. We'll talk about some of the the smaller trade deadline moves that they made uh, to inch themselves into contention. Uh, the only other name I'll mention, if you're going for a, a, a big vet uh, and a classic for uh, what he's done with Cincinnati, well, let's look at the the Wunder kid or the the one that they like to see doing that to Wander Franco. Uh, in the last seven games, they showed us his pre-All-Star break numbers and then the post-All-Star break numbers. He's heating up. Uh, he's now hitting. You can see uh, not only hitting with authority, uh, extra base hits, a couple triples that are in there. Uh, the energy level is coming up. The confidence level is coming up. He is starting to adjust to big league pitching over the last are seven they, games. He's over 300. Are they playing him at short now? Yep. Are they playing him at short now that Taylor Walls is gone? Maybe he just feels more comfortable there. It. Again, it's uh, when you're uh, 20 years old facing big league pitching. Uh, when AAA was no longer a uh, a learning experience for you to, to develop, you needed to do it at the major league level. And uh, he had to struggle, sure, uh, as anyone would, but it already looks like <laughs> those struggles may already be over for a 20-year-old uh, uh, superstar in waiting. So we'll see how much that carries the, the Rays down the stretch as well as you have the, the big... Uh, Red Sox Rays series going on this weekend. Uh, now on Sunday Night Baseball, uh, wrapping up that series right now, three to one. Uh, Rays are ahead, looking for the sweep going into the sixth. Nice. Well, when we come back, let's take a look at uh, this thing called a trading deadline. And uh, in case you uh, haven't been paying attention to uh, baseball over the last uh, oh about seventy-two hours, uh, your team might look remarkably different because most teams do uh, after this uh, and. My years of watching uh, baseball, I've never seen a trading deadline like this. Uh, And we uh, predicted uh, that this was going to be a more volume trading uh, deadline, that these things were going to be taking place. But no one could anticipate this. Again, 10 current All-Stars, not guys that were All-Stars five years ago on their resume. 10 current All-Stars were traded, three top 100 prospects, including Baseball America's number 16th ranked prospect uh, in a deal Uh, Lots to cover coming up next. Cut my egg. Your eggs are cut, sir. Cut my milk. I can't, sir. It's liquid. Imbecile. Please, then cut it. You, bring me the Wall Street Journal. You two, fight to the death. You are a madman. I want to party with you, cowboy. Are you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima... Hula hoops and Pac-Man video games. Don't you see? People today have attention spans that can only be measured in nanoseconds. <laughs> be honest with you, I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Fulton fan. Yes, that's awesome.
as we come back here and uh, I'm ranting about ESPN Sunday Night Baseball uh, uh, media coverage and uh, their lack of actually uh, doing any research for their job, uh, we'll talk about something a little more interesting, which is the uh, trading deadline and a bunch of moves that have uh, uh, taken place. there's so much to cover that I think we're just going to cover it first by the classic uh, winners and losers, how we evaluate the teams that uh, made moves. Uh, I had uh, 10 teams. Uh, if you want to talk how, how we can uh, ca- uh, categorize volume, I have 10 teams under the winning category uh, of teams, at least from, from uh, varying degrees of being able to help their team and making, uh, making good moves. Uh, we saw uh, one, two three, potentially four fire sales within it, multiple players traded, uh, and rebuilds that have now decided, uh, committed to that rebuild uh, taking place. Uh, there should be a fifth one there uh, that didn't happen that we'll talk about along with that. We're going to talk about the, all the prospects uh, that were moved, players that we really liked uh, on new teams uh, within it, as well as the players not traded. We're going to talk all the way through it as we dive in first to uh, winning team. I think we could both easily start with a top two of teams that we clearly think improved their team. And I'm curious to see if we rated our top two, if we come out the same. I think it's easy top one we got because uh, you had the the huge trade that uh, took place. And again, I, I think we have all-stars at every position now uh, for the, uh, the Dodgers technically on their roster. They have four Cy Young winners at this point. You're not going to see all of them together. Uh, but uh, it's it really is... Before we even get into the trade itself, I just want to ask this because uh, New York Yankee fans have to be asking themselves why the hate for the the evil empire for doing this type of assembly of a roster, but no one does that to the Dodgers. There's no uh, there's no the uh, welcome to the evil empire 2.0. There's no media stories out there. There's no uh, being dumped on for anything that way or trying to buy a championship. But you hear none of that. Uh, as a Yankees fan, wouldn't you at least question a team that is now their payroll up to two hundred and seventy-five million? That doesn't even count the like one hundred and fifty million that's on top of that for the the luxury tax that they're paying now. Uh, isn't it a fair question to say like why why is this not the uh, the team that everyone loves to hate? They don't have twenty-seven championships or whatever the Yankees have. I guess championship envy. I think that's probably it. Is it was a long time. It took them a while to win one again, and they got it done last year, and they're certainly the favorites to win it again this year now, and they're probably right up there with the favorites before this trade deadline, but now I don't think there's much of a question who the favorite is, but yeah, I, I the Yankees are the Yankees are a hated team. There's there's not a whole lot of, there's a lot of hate towards the Yankees just because, I said, success breeds hate. George Steinbrenner obviously was a big personality in the game. Look at the Cowboys, right? People don't like them. Have they won recently? No. They also have a very outgoing owner and the, and uh some of that sometimes that is more dislike than anything is just the fact that certain owners tend to be bigger personalities than their teams and i would say that's part of the problem of the yankees whereas the dodgers are i think they're owned by a collective group now if i'm not mistaken i don't think they have a sole owner right now yeah it's more of uh uh everyone's just happy because they're out uh willing to to pay whatever it takes for, for their team to compete and potentially win uh, but with this taking them to $275 million, uh, for that payroll, the, the next question that I wanted to ask you was, uh, I'd mentioned off-air that are, does this finally get us to the point where, like to me, this just has two words, salary cap. 
Uh, when you have a team that's just going this hard at it, at some point you have too much of an unfair competitive uh, advantage uh, when every team is needed to make this work, right? So you need to have some sort of something up to keep this in. Baseball has been trying to keep it out, and they still will. That's not. There's no way that goes into any sort of collective bargaining agreement. But how are you not frustrated if you're a fan of another team when, when they can just go out and buy another uh, a superstar, another Cy Young winner, another all-star, whatever you want it to be, uh, when they keep doing that, uh, should there be a, a salary cap that way? Or... Uh, this is just a short-run thing that uh, it's unsustainable anyways for the Dodgers. I wrote a college paper once about, actually I did a college speech course, and one of my speeches was about how baseball needed a salary cap. And I still think it needs a salary cap. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, look, the, the Dodgers can only pull this off because the Dodgers have the organizational depth to do so. So, yes, we can say they need a salary cap. And I would agree that, you know, at this point they're paying up for it. But it's not like... They gave up some pretty pretty yeah. good players in this deal. And not every team... It wasn't a salary dump. No. Though, they, though they had the financial wherewithal to take on the full salary of the players coming in, and that was part of the deal, they gave up two, uh, two prospects, two one of the top 100 prospects, one uh, Baseball America ranked 16th, the other 68th, uh, close to the majors or now at majors level. Uh, this was a, a definite... If I was Washington, I would take this deal. So... You talked about the Yankees. The Yankees can't match that. Like, if you're talking about a team, Correct. Th- there's certain teams that can match this. But automatically, I heard a lot of people say, because we're going to talk about the Blue Jays trade, and the Blue Jays gave up a more to get Jose Brios, I think, as far as prospects are concerned. But um, the Dodgers, the, the Nationals only had a limited market to, to talk about because Max Scherzer can shut down any trade he wanted to because he had that right. And so there was only certain teams that he was going to agree to go to. There's the, only three uh, the, that w- could the, even compete. Three West Coast teams, right? We The three West Coast teams. And guess what? The Dodgers, you could argue the Padres have a better farm system. They were never going to give up C.J. Abrams. That one was off the table. So then you're looking at Robert Hassel and I, I, Mackenzie Gore is just a non-factor right now because I said he he's not even pay, playing with the team. He is literally just working on his mechanics right now. So no team's taking that on. So the Dodgers have the where yes, we can talk about them having the financial ability to do so, but they also have the organizational depth because they have a very good farm system. This answers the question, especially it's more of interesting to me as a Rays fan than it is for anyone else, but what would the Rays look like if they had money? The Dodgers, right? Yeah, the, it's Dodgers. the Dodgers. I mean that's I mean, the, the Andrew the Friedman Rays. from there. You yeah. have the you have the person who came with building a farm system mentality. Uh, he was given the largest contract uh, for an executive in MLB history, mm-hmm. uh, which is how they lured him over there. And it was to transform the franchise from especially the minor league depth uh, uh, standpoint of building that farm system. Top five system, uh, great players across the board within it, and also the financial ability to go out and get guys as well. Uh, that's what that looks like when you can do it all. So I don't know if we've, now it's time. We're just going to say this trade now. So the Nationals got Max Scherzer who is, he was the trade prize of the trade deadline, the one that was expected. And I said last week, I think if there's a team that's going to get him, it's the Dodgers. But he's a 37-year-old rental. He's aging like a Trump Hall of Famer, which he is. He's still really good. Seven and four, 105 innings, 142 strikeouts, 25 walks, 283 ERA. The pitching depth that they now can throw out there in a playoff series is absurd. You could roll out Kershaw, Scherzer, Bueller, and Urias as their top four. And then who knows what you're going to get out of Gonsolin. We'll talk about Danny Duffy. They got him too. And 
I, I just assume Trevor Bauer is not even a factor here. But well, And that's the underrated one with, with, with Duffy. As much as we'll talk the Scherzer trade here, they're set in case of another injury or if Kershaw has a, a flare-up with the anything else. Like It wasn't just uh, the Scherzer trade, which was phenomenal in and of itself because that wasn't even just Scherzer alone in that trade, which we'll get to here. But the, uh, Danny Duffy can't be uh, uh, overlooked as far as how much that can impact everything they're trying to do. So... Let's just mention the Duffy trade here quick then. We'll, we'll do the Duffy trade. So Danny Duffy went to the Dodgers for a player to be named later, which essentially is a front office, gives an opposing front office a list of five to ten names, and they get more time to make a decision on who they'd like. And so in this case, the Royals get that choice. Uh, Duffy's a 32-year-old lefty. He's also a rental, and he's a 10-5 guy, just like Scherzer, meaning he's been in the big leagues 10 years. He's been with the same team five years, in his case, the Royals. And so he had to approve a trade too. Now, why wouldn't you approve a trade to the Dodgers? He's going to a much better team at this point, and he's a California guy. So his stats this year, he's 4-3, and three, 61 innings, 65 strikeouts to 22 walks, an exceptional 251 ERA. But remember, right now he's on the IL. He has a flexor strain, and I'm sure the Dodgers aren't that concerned about it, but he did miss time even earlier this season with the same injury. So, yeah, the, you just keep adding arms. You're going to see that as a big theme as we talk about a lot of these teams is adding arms as playoff teams. So that was the Duffy trade, and then – you mentioned it, right? So Max Scherzer came over. I said, I think this is the team that's going to make that move. I didn't expect them to tag on a 28-year-old top five-ish player in all of baseball superstar shortstop. So Trey Turner got tacked onto this deal. And it's it sounded like early on the day Thursday, which is the day this trade went down, Max Scherzer was getting traded to the San Diego Padres. That was the report. It was Max Scherzer was going to the Padres. And... I think part of it was the Dodgers were willing to take, not willing is a weird word. They were willing to give up more if it included Trey Turner. That's what I would get the feeling of is that the the Padres were not going to get Trey Turner. It was going to be Max Scherzer. The Dodgers got Trey Turner. I think he'll probably play second most days in Los Angeles just because I don't think Corey Seager's ever played anywhere else and Trey Turner has. Now, he's not a rental. He has another year on this contract, and you know his season is incredible. 18 home runs, 49 RBIs, 21 steals, a 322 average for one of the best players in baseball. Now, he's got COVID right now. He has not reported yet to the Dodgers. I guess when he moves into the lineup, he bets second behind Mookie Betts, and what is – it's an absurd lineup. Listen to this lineup. You have Mookie Betts, uh, Trey Turner, Corey Seager's back finally – Bat in third, Max Muncy moves to first, Justin Turner goes to third. I think Chris Chris Taylor has underratedly been like unbelievable this year. Yep. Will Smith and you platoon Cody Bellinger and AJ Pollock now, Cody Bellinger being two years removed from a all from an MVP, and Gavin Lux yeah. goes to the bench. Like it's amazing. That's uh just phenomenal what they've uh from unsung players to uh buying superstars to developing superstars. So, it's it's across the board. And that's part of it, right? So we can talk about, you know, they trade for all these superstars. Yet some, like Betts, sure, they, they but they paid up, right? Alex Rodriguez was a good player. They've paid up for, for Mookie Betts. I didn't say they stole him. They paid up for this one. Yeah, I know people are upset. We'll get about to talk about some of their return a little bit here, but I think they paid up for Trey Turner. Corey Seager, they drafted. Max Muncy was a write-off. He was on the A's. They didn't want him. Anybody could have had him. I think the Dodgers picked him up off of waivers. I know they picked up Justin Turner off of waivers. Like, Chris Taylor has kind of been a no-name for a while around this game, but they developed some of these guys. So, yeah, we can say the yeah. Dodgers buy a title. It's but very fair. Do they? Like, yes, they, they've put a ton of money into their pitching. I get that. But, once again, 
Julio Urias and Walker Bueller, they developed those guys. Absolutely. They actually developed Clayton Kershaw too. It's been a while, but I they're extremely well managed. They they become the de- it's the deepest farm one of the very deep farm systems to make these absurd acquisitions. I, I'm not familiar with their the rest of their farm system now, but I think we're finally getting to the point where they're cratering. It's still a good still system. Still some good ones. But I, I think we've now fully hit the the time is now for this franchise, uh, which you would think last year it should have been or the year, the year before, but they've been building this slowly and still having more to come. I think we're now at that point, unless something changes, you know, in the next couple of years with whatever else gets developed along the way. They have one more really good pitcher named Ryan Pepio. Just remember that name. I'll say that. Remember him because I think he's about as good as Josiah Gray, and that's that's the only one I'll say. And uh, so here's the question, the, the one offseason question. What do we think on Corey Seager? Is he coming back now? See, now that's the uh, what's being talked about. Why would you add Trey Turner to this besides it's Trey Turner, why not? is this is now the question being set up. Who stays long-term with uh, both Seager and Turner going to be needing a new contract? This seemed like the the Dodgers were getting ahead of this to give themselves options on who they commit to long-term. And right now, I guess it's going to depend upon, I don't remember everything about Corey Seager's history, but there's some injury concerns. There are durability concerns, right? So uh, this may be the... He's going to want more money uh, than what his durability should necessarily get him, and it might go beyond even a comfort level for the Dodgers to do, which is why Trey Turner is here. In my opinion, making the trade for him, while while you could say you could go with either one, this seems like the Dodgers are inching in the direction of Trey Turner, depending upon how those negotiations go. And we've seen his first rookie season was way back in 2016, which is hard to believe, but that was his... Rookie of the year season, he played 157, then 145, then 26, 134, 52, and he's at 39 games this year. So, yeah, he's he's not a beacon of health. He will have – it's going to be a really good free agent market. We'll talk about that someday, I'm sure, especially at shortstop. But Corey Seager is going to have a lot of teams that are going to be interested in him. I've been a big fan for a while. While we're talking this trade, though, we should mention the four players that the Washington Nationals got back in return. Now, I said some people thought it was light. You mentioned the numbers. I went with fan graphs. I like fan graphs. His numbers a little more baseball Americas. It doesn't really matter. But Josiah Gray, we've I mentioned him a few weeks ago. I added him on my fantasy baseball team because he got called up, and I think he's really good. He was the number one rated prospect in the Dodgers system by fan graphs. 23 years old. We've already seen the success. Uh, eight innings, 13 strikeouts to five walks. I said he's given up a few too many home runs, but... You look at the minor league numbers this season in 2019, and you and you see the dominance, right? This season, it's 52, it's 15 innings in AAA. He had that early, I think it was a calf injury, 22 strikeouts to two walks. Like he's a converted infielder. It's only been a few years that this guy has started to learn to pitch. So I know that the National said he's going to pitch tomorrow for them, and you could make the case within the next year, year and a half, he's he's their ace. Like he's their ace because guess what? Steven Strasburg is injury prone, and. I, Patrick Corbin, I've said, not that good anymore. So if you're going to tear it down, Josiah Gray is a really good building block to start with. They got another one. You mentioned the other. I think I would guess Kiebert Ruiz is higher rated on Baseball America. I don't know. 16th. Yeah, I would guess he was the higher rated one. And now on Fangraphs, they have Kiebert Ruiz second in the Dodgers farm system. But look, 23-year-old catchers who hit like this don't grow on trees. He's not a free agent until 2027. He's been in the big leagues for 15 at-bats the last couple of years. He has... Three hit. It's a couple of home runs in his three hits. But once again, you look at the minor league numbers and you see the potential. 
Triple A this season, 16 homers, 45 RBIs, 311 average. And here's what you love 23 walks, 27 strikeouts. High OBP catchers that are good defensively are rare. He just needs at bats. And because they already developed one excellent catcher and Will Smith over with the Dodgers, he wasn't going to get it there. So time was coming. He was the biggest uh, trade ship uh, that they had because it's hard to develop. Uh, good catching prospects. I think we mentioned him last week with the Max Scherzer possibilities. That that was the one where that was the the chip that they could cash in that no one could top uh, because everyone's looking for that premium prospect at that position. uh, And the the Nationals were rumored to be interested in wanting to find a frontline catcher uh, within it. So not only did they get him, they got Josiah Gray. Uh, we'll talk about the, the rest of the Nationals package when we talk about the from fire sales and, and uh, who went with it. But I, I love what they did, uh, this uh, trade deadline. But uh, now that we've mentioned the, the Dodgers, and it's you had to devote this much time to it because this was a huge trade uh, that is a standalone unto itself, but who would you rank second on your uh, winner list? Oh, man. Uh, my second is actually the Atlanta Braves. I have the Atlanta Braves on there. I liked. Okay. Okay. I know that you got to take it all into context, and it's kind of the uh, not it's, one move. It's the it's the yeah. all the moves combined, and they didn't. They're you you can't replace Ronald Acuna Jr. It's impossible. Now they added Jack Peterson a couple weeks ago, and Which now they said like. we're going to redo the entire outfield here. So they got Eddie Rosario for Pablo Sandoval in another Indians ridiculous salary dump where they took Pablo Sandoval for a day, mind you, one day, and then they cut him. So ridiculous. But Eddie Rosario, 23-year-old, or 28-year-old, excuse me, rental outfielder, currently on the IL, but like we thought he was going to have more of a market this offseason. We both did. And he did the Marcelo Zuna thing where he said, I'll take a one-year deal. I'll try to prove it. Well, so far he hasn't. Seven home runs, 46 RBIs, 254, with a career-low average slugging and OPS, but now you're down here. You, you move from a pretty bad Cleveland team to a pretty good Atlanta team with a much better ballpark. Now, we're going to talk about this. Their outfield that they're accumulating is going to be abysmal defensively, but they're going to hit. So Adam Duvall, remember, he was there last year. He's One bad. One of my underrated favorites. 32-year-old. He has a mutual option. Never going to be a big average guy, but 22 home runs, 68 RBIs. The power's for real, right? He's playing left field right away. I saw the Braves this weekend against the Brewers playing left field right away. Batting fifth, you gave up Alex Jackson, who's a, another catching prospect, actually. He was a six-pick back in 2014, so it's been a while. He, he's kind of, uh, think Mike Zanino on Alex Jackson. And so, not a huge risk at this point. They already have a catching prospect themselves in William Contreras. We saw him, and then they said, well, we don't have quite enough power in our outfield. Let's add Jorge Soler. So, he's found himself on the heat is on a few times, but another 29-year-old rental outfielder. So, none of these guys necessarily are there next season. And that's fine because they have Drew Waters coming. They have Christian Pache coming. Ronald Acuna, Lord willing, will be back to this team. But they're saying, we're not that far out of it. And guess what? The Mets aren't playing that well. They lost Jacob DeGrom. We'll get to their additions. But they're not playing that well. Atlanta's still in this. That div- The most winnable division in Major League Baseball, it is there for the taking. Uh, and uh, some of their pitching is starting to sharpen up. Uh, from the, the Braves' standpoint, they need a little more offense. They need to get the... Uh, outfield figured out, and uh, this is as far as I, I said. There's different ways of breaking down who did what or which moves you like the most, or which teams that you like the most. And and to me, the biggest thing is uh, which team saw a need and then filled it. 
Uh, and then here you have Atlanta. It was the outfield, right? And so they grabbed not one, not two, not th- four, right? Four outfielders. Uh, four, Jack Peterson. Four outfielders. Eddie Rosario, yeah. Adam Duvall, and Jorge Soler. Like I said, power for days, right? Now, you can make the case that Eddie Rosario and Jorge Soler instantly become the two of the worst defensive outfielders in the National League. Like, they are that level of bad. So Lair hasn't played the outfield in a long time. It's been, I think, since the Cub days that he's really been asked to play the outfield. But he's a streakier, slightly worse version of Adam Duvall, right? Like, he's had six home runs in the last 10 days. Once again, it's a low-risk, it's a high-upside, low-risk pick. If it doesn't work out, he's gone in a few months. It, it Maybe it doesn't. But you added four outfielders, and oh, yeah, you fortified your bullpen. Remember, we talk about the Braves' bullpen. They added Richard Rodriguez, one of the bigger yes. names in this trade yes. deadline. So Rodriguez, 31-year-old, not a free agent until 2024. So you get three years of team control on him. Remember, I talked about last offseason how much I thought they overpaid for Will Smith. Well, he's closing now. At least they're getting that. But now you added a great bullpen arm who's been really good on a bad team three of the last four years. Just because he plays on the Pirates, he's not more well-known. But 4-2, four and two, 14 saves. 38 innings, 33 strikeouts to five walks, a 149 ERA plus. He now forms this lefty-righty combo with Will Smith that they can run out at the back of it. I love that move. Now, they had to give up Bryce Wilson, who, if you remember Bryce Wilson, he was, that. remember that NLCS start last season where he filled in for, was it like the injured Ian Anderson and was just great, but it's a good move for the Pirates too. He's not a free agent until 2027, and guess what? They're not winning probably for a while, so we've seen 74 big league innings. Bryce Wilson's like prospect luster shine has kind of dulled a little bit. He's rated ninth in the fan graph system. And they gave up Ricky DeVito, who's a kind of a fringe starter reliever type. And uh, it's not a huge acquisition, like, but acquiring four outfielders. And I, and I saw someone say, Oh, well, Jack Peterson can play first. You're not benching Freddie Freeman. Like that ain't happening. So the team is good enough. I think at this point, I'm going to still stick to my, originally I said, I thought the Braves would win. They have fallen below. I still think the Braves make up that gap. I think the uh, I'll keep with my original that uh, one way or another the Braves will will uh, not uh, get it figured yeah, out. We've been but, on off uh, on that one the whole year, but, but we'll, that's okay. We'll, we'll see if, uh, you if were that Mets actually and happens. Bra- you were Mets and Phillies. I was Braves uh, and Phillies. We'll see who wins. And so we'll we'll uh, talk about Phillies in just a, just a minute because that's another one uh, uh, that happened here. But for me, number two that I had on my list, uh, and it's not because of volume. It's definitely impact, but not in the same way. Uh, Craig Kimbrell was the best closer available on the market. Uh, based on numbers to this point, it was vintage Kimbrell is back. That's what you've seen within this. Who could use him for the ninth? Well, there's one team, we've, I think we even said this, like, well, the White Sox don't need him because they already have the one of the best closers in, uh, in Major League Baseball. Well, why not have both? Remember the old... Uh, uh, Pizza Hut or Domino's, I think it was Pizza Hut commercials. This is going old school. Uh, the Deion Sanders, uh, Jerry Jones, back when he was uh, signed with the Cowboys. And you wonder why uh, people hate the Cowboys. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, see, yeah. Well, if we're talking collection <laughs> of stars we, and we're talking Dodgers, we might as well talk of vintage Dallas Cowboys. But uh, it was the, uh, do you want pepperoni or uh, uh, or uh, sausage? Well, why not? both. <laughs> and it's going through all of it. And they said, well, what do, what do you think, Dion? 15, 20 million? Why not both? Well, that's exactly what's uh, <laughs> what, what's happened here. Is well, we could have one uh, dominant closer, but why not both? Uh, and it's because of that. When you add in what Michael Kobach has been doing from a multi-inning relief role within it, who has a now has a better lockdown bullpen for any playoff series than now you have Hendricks, Kimbrel, Kopech? Like that's that can propel you to the World Series right there. 
Like that's that's as far as impact move made. I would not have put any team up here for Kimbrel. I think as a closer, I think it's just because of what you already had and and slotting him in. Uh, this is now the 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 lethal bullpen uh, that uh, can definitely shut down teams uh, in close games in the playoffs. They actually rated the Cubs twice for bullpen arms. The yeah. day before, they Can't, added Ryan Tapera. So, yep. yep. So we'll talk Kimbrel first, right? He's he's the you mentioned he's the prize of the relief pitching market because not only he is not a rental, he has an option next year. He will more than likely be back to form this. I I assume that they're just gonna like actually wouldn't be surprised if Cole Closer like Cole Closer is Hendricks has pitched like multiple innings at times and Kimbrel's never done that so. We'll see, but it doesn't really matter. The This is probably Kimbrell's best season since his Atlanta years. He has got 23 saves. He's 36 innings, 64 strikeouts to 13 walks. He has a .49 ERA. And I just said, remember when, before the season started, LaRusso said he needed a dominant ninth inning guy, right? Now he has two. Well, he might have five. Like, you mentioned Kopech, uh, Aaron Bummer, Garrett Crochet. Remember how good Garrett Crochet was? And... They made the day the trade the day before with the Cubs. So Ryan Tapera, remember, I added Ryan Tapera on my fantasy team, thinking, well, maybe he'll become the closer. Well, he's not because now he's got traded too. So thirty three year old, he is a rental. Uh, really strong year this year too. He's zero and two, but forty three innings, fifty Ks to twelve walks, a two ninety one ERA, backed up by that equally low FIP. Yeah, they they have a dominant bullpen, and they have a pretty. Good offense, and it's getting healthier. Eloy's back. He actually got hurt again a little bit, but as far as I know, he's expected back, and all signs point to Luis Strobert being back this week. So they they made a – the return for Craig Kimbrell involved Nick Madrigal, okay? So Madrigal's been hurt this season. So they've been People playing – People are all across the board on liking and not liking that. Yes. Uh, Madrigal's kind of a weird player, right? He's kind of out of his – it's not this current era where he's not hitting for power. He doesn't really steal bases. He's this ultra contact player. And I've said, I really like Nick Madrigal. Now the thing is the Cubs sort of have their Nick Madrigal already and Nico Horner. Now they're kind of the same player. I think Madrigal played short, if I'm not mistaken in college. So between the two of them, Madrigal's going to miss all this season. He's not a free agent until 2027. The Cubs did pretty good on the rebuild. I thought, so we'll get to them. I'm sure. But they got him. They got Cody Hoyer for Craig Kimbrell. That's a 25-year-old relief pitcher, also not a free agent until 2026. He was awesome last year. It, not so much this year. He's got like a 5-12 ERA, but it's a 367 fifth. I actually think he might be the Cubs' closer now. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't become the club's closer, but they had a need at second base. They've been playing Larry Garcia. We didn't mention this one. The White Sox went out. The very first trade they made this week was they added Cesar Hernandez, too. So, yeah, Cesar Hernandez came over from the Indians where, once again, he the Indians were in the process of dumping a lot of guys, and it's a rare intravision trade. Uh, Cesar Hernandez is a 31-year-old second baseman. He's not a rental either. He's a f- under contract again next season. He's the defending gold glove winner at second. Now, kind of a strange year for him as he's sort of sold out for power at the expense of his average. He has a career-high 18 home runs already, but the lowest average is career. And I would say that I actually think for the White Sox, they should say, hey, we don't need you to sell for power. We want that on-base skill. We have plenty of power on this team. That team is not lacking in power at all. But I do think it's a great fit. They need the defense. Madrigal wasn't going to be around this year anyways. It lengthens their whole lineup another spot, which was already really good. Yeah, the White Sox were a good team. Going into this week, I think we both had him in our top five teams when we did the power rankings a few weeks ago, and they're better now. So, yeah. I 
I have them as my uh, AL favorites at this point with, with the moves just that they I just made them. there. Just saying I picked them before yeah. the year started. So. Yeah. And I say, <laughs> it, it, it helps uh, to make that prediction uh, spoken into existence, uh, as they say. Uh, but the I'm going to move to another team, uh, and I, you know me, so you know that I hate giving this credit uh, to this. Ooh, I think I know. Does it start with... Is this the evil empire? It, it is. Uh, because they had a massive hole for needing left-handed bats. Yes, they did. Uh, and they filled that with Joey Gallo, who in that ballpark is going to launch a lot of home runs. They already mentioned that there were like another eight home runs that would be added to his total uh, that were flyouts elsewhere if they were uh, at, the, <laughs> at the Yankees Little League ballpark. Uh, and then you add in Anthony Rizzo, uh, both those guys. And I think Rizzo is going to be another classic example of a guy who, you know, thrust into the middle of a playoff contention is also going to turn it on. He's had a couple home runs. And, I saw yeah, already, he's, yeah. Ar- he's already started Adding leadoff. And so not only did they add a bat, one of these guys would have been already good adding both. And at first the question was like, well, what are they doing here? Like you're still like eight and eight and a half back of the of the division. Like uh, it Gallo, at least you have under contract through next year. That made sense. But Rizzo, like, what are you doing? But that wild card could potentially be in in play yet. They are not out of it. I think they're only four games back of the second wild card. So uh, if you Bronx bomber it, uh, it doesn't matter as much what your pitching's doing if you're scoring six seven runs a game. Here's my take on the Yankees. Is okay. So there's it's just. We'll just down some of the AL East teams right here. So there are essentially four teams in contention right now in the AL East. You have three of them that are full going forward as far as like specifically two of them that are really trying to put up runs on the put up runs, right? You got the, the Yankees and I would say the Blue Jays and the, the Red Sox are basically focused on their offense too. And so, and then you got the Rays who do it with more like their bullpen and some of the parts type of thing. Now, I'm not saying that at this point, I don't know if I love any of their starting pitching. Uh, there's some like high upside guys on all of them. And I think I said, we said this before the season started, right? There's a lot of question marks. Your team's is young, right? The Rays are really young. Now they have a lot of high upside guys, but they're not proven. The, the Red Sox have been throwing out this weird lineup that includes like Garrett Richards a lot of times in their starting rotation. It's not very good. Now they have a great offense, so they score a lot of runs. The Rays, or excuse me, the Blue Jays have three that I think are pretty trustworthy at this point, and they had a fourth one. So I, I like the Blue Jays. We'll get to them. And the Yankees have a sort of lesser version of Garrett Cole, Jordan Montgomery, Jameson Tyone. And they added a pitcher, Andrew Heaney, who guess what? He has home run problems at Los <laughs> Angeles. And he went to, as you mentioned, a minor league spot where Joey Gallo is going to hit some pop-ups that probably leave in right field. Like it is that small. So yes, I like what the Yankees did as far as balancing out their, their lineup. They needed left-handed hitters. They got arguably two of the best, but their pitching is really bad. And that's sort of a theme. I'm saying, like I said, not bad, but just erratic throughout the AL East. And We'll see which team answers the call. Now, do I like the Joey Gallagher move? Yeah, a lot. Like, not a rental. Gets another year. Should play primarily center field in New York. Now, here's my question. Is Giancarlo Stanton going to play some gonna play some outfield for him? Because otherwise, they got an extra spot here. Because Luke Voigt doesn't have a spot. 
if he I, ever gets healthy. If I, I think the the Rizzo move was banking upon the fact that I, I don't think they're expecting Voight back. I think their confident level in him is is down for uh, playing uh, appearances for me actually get in, in contributing to this team. I think there's also question marks overall by getting Rizzo in here. I think there's question marks whether Voight plays another inning. Uh, for the New York Yankees. I think that's an off-season trade move uh, that uh, happens uh, uh, and, and they re-sign Anthony Rizzo. I think I could very well see that happening come the off-season. Uh, as far as the, the Yankees, like for me here, it's you had a hole and the way in which they filled it. And also, they really didn't pay much. Again, no. the prospect hype, like I don't get what the Rangers did here. Like This was the best you could get for Gallo? That doesn't make sense to me. They took from- the... Sorry, I, I was just going to say that Daniels is a guy that tends to hone in on specific guys he wants. And I'd say at least you're, if your job's going to be on the line, you'd rather it be for the players that you want versus not. So I at least get it, but at the same time, I don't get it. I would say the specifically with the Gala one, they the Rangers said, we're going to take the, the scattershot approach here. We're not going to go for the big names. We're going to take, in this case, four players from the Yankees, four prospects, all somewhat regarded, not none super highly regarded. Fangraphs has them between eighth and I guess the final one isn't ranked at all, but he's got the best stats. So Ezekiel Duran was the big name in this. He's a 22-year-old playing in high A, kind of a short infielder. Fangraphs doesn't usually use the comps. They have him as the eighth-rated Yankees prospect, but they they said that he's, think Dan Ugla. A lot of swing and miss, but if he gets into it, he can nice hit a reference. long way, right? That's it. I'm just use fan graphs, man. Josh Smith was another one they got. He was the second round pick in 2019. He was the 19th rated prospect in the by fan graphs. Uh, says floor kind of like the opposite of Dan Nuggle, a floor player, 300 plus averages in college in the minor leagues, utility infielder, if nothing else. Trevor Hover is an yet another second base prospect. He was their third round pick last year. Posting a really strong first season at High A Tampa, nine homers, 49 RBIs, 288 average, 64 walks to 78 strikeouts. Uh, Fangrass referenced as struggling with his fielding, but a bat that profiles with a good on baseball. Now, this one's interesting. So the last player is the pitcher, and that's Glenn Otto. So I looked at Glenn Otto actually earlier in the year. 25 years old, fifth-round pick 2017. Now, this season stat line this year is fun to watch. 75 innings, 115 strikeouts to 17 walks between double-A and high-A. That's really good. Fifth in the minor leagues with in K-to-walk percentage. Those above him include Grayson Rodriguez, who is – Right now, probably considered the best pitching prospect in baseball. Shane Baz, who's right up there, and Reed Detmers, who I said just got the call today. So you're in a quite the quite the group there now. His thing was he missed a whole season a few arm a whole season a few years ago with blood clots, and kind of has a weird arm action. But those K and walk numbers are definitely intriguing. And you're going from the Yankees' weird ballpark that is super small to Texas is playing like a hitter's. It's playing like a pitcher's park now. So overall, it's a weird return. Uh, but and the there's, specifically there's weird part of this one is the weirdest part of this trade is and both of these trades is Dinkies aren't paying these guys. Essentially, the Rangers are paying all of Joey Gallo's salary and the Cubs are paying all of Anthony Rizzo's salary. So they basically bought prospects and it's just weird to see the Yankees not wanting to go over the salary cap and or luxury tax, I guess is the word. And so I would say the other need that the Yankees addressed is defense. Right? Their defense is pretty bad, but Joey Gallo's a gold glove center fielder like he won it last year and Anthony Rizzo's won at least two maybe three of them now sorry four of them wow I was wrong uh Rizzo is a rental I could see him resigning I could see him leaving but in both cases they said we have exceptional on base percentage players that are coming into this team now they start swing and miss a lot here's what you're going to see with the Yankees lineup offense going forward there'll be days they score 10 runs without blinking an eye 
because they'll get into three, four home runs. There'll be days they strike out 13 times, 14 times. So it's going to be inconsistent. And when you're not getting consistent pitching, that's a problem. Now, I mentioned they brought in Andrew Heaney, the 38-year-old left-hander. He is a rental as well. You always feel like it should be better. He has 113 strikeouts to 31 walks. That's really good. But he has a 527 ERA because, like I said, he gives up a ton of home runs. So his always underperforms his FIP. Now, you're going from the AL West where Spacious with a parks. big parks. You're going to the AL East where the only pitcher's park is probably Tropicana Field. The other ones are really small, and the ball carries way out of there. So I don't think the AL East is going to be kind to Andrew Heaney, and I'm not sure the Yankees will have enough pitching. Honestly, I still don't think the Yankees make the playoffs. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, the, there's enough question marks about the the, the pitching to, to get there. The, the offense is going to be fun to watch. They're going to have a lot of high-scoring games, so at least it'll be entertaining. Whether or not it's it's uh, October baseball is a whole different story. We keep it in the at least. Yeah, let's do it. I want to still to Toronto because Toronto, as far as I know, is right equal with or just ahead or just behind the Yankees. I haven't seen the last couple of days. but So they made a few big moves here. The, the first big move that we saw them make was We've talked about the Toronto bullpen and the injuries they've had, right? Jordan Romano's missed time. Julian Merriweather missed some time. And they've kind of had this rotating door out there right now. They'd sort of settled on Jordan Romano. They brought in Brad Hand for Riley Adams. So Toronto said they tried to sign him this offseason, but they get him now. And he's a 31-year-old rental. He has that history of closing. I think that Romano should still keep closing right now because Hand's peripherals are a little wonky and that he's walked 18 this year, but 359 ERA. The walks are highest they've been since 2011. Nice but yeah, and he's a lefty. He's an effective reliever who isn't just a lefty guy. He has a 216 batting average against, against lefties, 198 against righties. It's a good move for a team that needed it, right? Yep. They also brought in Joaquin Soria as far as relief pitchers go from Arizona for two players to be named later. He's a 37-year-old who is now on his ninth team. Congratulations to Joaquin Soria, but you're a rental. He's closing games in Arizona. He was doing okay at it. 31 strikeouts, eight walks, 430 or eight. You went from closing in Arizona to... You're now a mid-reliever, less leverage role in Toronto. And then they brought in the big name right here. So we, we, I think we mentioned this one last week too as a possibility because Jose Brios fits with their timetable and that it's not just one year. He's under team control till 2023, 27, which is right in line with like Biggio, you know, Bichette. They're a little younger, but not, not super old. And he's really consistent, right? 107, between a 107 and a 120 OPS plus the last five years. Seven and five already this season. He's already had 121 innings, 126 Ks to 32 walks, career low 348 ERA. Now, I do have a little concern about him too, moving to the AL East. Uh, he's had some, the Twins Park is really easy to pitch in. Like, it's one of the better, one of the best pitching parks. And you get to face Detroit, who's until recently been pretty bad, and Kansas City and Cleveland. And now you get to face, you know, Boston, New York, Tampa Bay are really good. Baltimore's offense isn't bad at times. So, I have a few concerns. I think he's going to be really good. I'm not, I don't think he's going to be mid threes good. I think it might be more like fours good, but that's good enough. Now they paid up like they paid up. This return might be better than the return that as far as top end talent that the nationals got for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Do you, I don't know if you have the numbers in front of you. What does it have for Austin Martin? Do you have baseball references number for him or excuse I, me, baseball could, Americas? It didn't list it when I was looking at the, when they broke down the prospects and trade, I didn't see a number listed there, but uh, categorized this way, fifth overall pick in last year's draft uh, gained strong consideration for the first, overpick, uh, yes. first yes. overall <laughs> pick guy. So that's the level of talent 
uh, that we're talking about here. Go back and listen last year. I said he was the one beyond Spencer Torkelson. He's the one I wanted the most. Yep. He can play center field, short. Uh, this year he's played – so those were he's played this year. In college he's played second and third at Vanderbilt. It, at worst, he's Ben Zobrist, I think. And that's a really solid player who can play all over the infield. And this year the – the power skills haven't been there at double A, but he's got he's hitting 281 with a 424 on base percentage. That's awesome. Striking out like, almost never. So Austin Martin's gonna be really good. And they also got Simeon Woods Richardson in yeah. that deal, who's currently pitching the, the the twins just wanted all the Olympic pitchers because he's currently pitching for Tokyo or in Tokyo for the Americans. So mine has him as the number three rated prospect in the Blue Jays system. He's 20 years old. Second round pick, this is actually his second trade. He was the main part of the Marcus Stroman trade a couple years ago from the Mets to the Blue Jays. He's had some struggles this year but with a 5.76 ERA, but that's mainly due to his sudden walk rate of 5 per 9. I, three plus pitches. If you saw him pitch the other day, I saw him pitch the other day in Tokyo. He's got three really good pitches, which should set him up for success going forward. The Twins rebuild. Good. Yeah. Good. We're, we're, we're going to talk about uh, the teams that uh, – that committed uh, and did well for themselves for improving uh, both immediate future and long-term future with the, the moves that but, were made. But I, I didn't want to, sorry, I didn't want to jump quite to the twins yet. I think Toronto improved about as much as anyone. As far as they hadn't, once again, you mentioned it, they had a need, starting pitching and relief pitching. We said offense for days, right? They have offense for days. They added, so now they're Top four starting pitchers. I just mentioned the AL East pitching. Well, you got Jose Barrios, solid. Robbie, I'm not going to believe I'm saying this. Robbie Ray, solid. Hyunjin Ryu and you, Alec Manoa. You, you okay I know, there? I know. And then somehow they got this and they still have Nate Pearson. And I'm not ready to write off Nate Pearson yet. Now, Stephen Matz has pitched okay. Maybe Nate Pearson isn't there this year, but I like what Toronto is doing. I still think Toronto has a better chance of making the play. I'll take Toronto still to make the playoffs over the New York Yankees. They're a more complete team. Uh, but yes. the. Even before Barrios, they're the most confusing team, though, because on paper, there's a ton of talent there, and it hasn't been adding up always the way that you'd expect with wins. And it's not because of injuries. Bullpen. Uh, That's their bullpen. Yeah. They look at their record and look at their run differential. It's their bullpen wasn't good. And I said, Brad Hand, Joaquin Soria, I'm I'm in. I think they make up some ground here. Uh, I, keep, I think we should keep it in the AL East, unless you... Yeah, but let's, uh, let's turn it to... Uh, uh, Let's combo up the last two. Okay. Uh, uh, so I, I'm going to, before we get into this, I just want to list off the amount of talent that has been added to the AL East from this trading deadline. Uh, it is absolutely amazing. You have Berrios, you have Hand, you have Soria, you have Gallo, you have Rizzo, you have Kyle Schwarber, uh, who when he comes back from injury, he was on a whole different planet the way that he was hitting the ball. Nelson Cruz, who's been the best designated hitter, uh, uh uh, for the last five years running, uh, and you can go much further within it, but he's uh, another guy that was added to it. Hansel Robles was uh, added to this. Uh, underrated pitcher from the Mariners, uh, Charga. Uh, T.T. Chargois. There's enough. All these guys were added. You can form quite the team here just putting that together, right? You have Gallo, Rizzo, Schwarber, Cruz on one team. You have a bullpen that's a dynamite there with it. You have a number potential number one pitcher or at least frontline pitcher to go with it. This was quite the talent overhaul from four teams uh, making moves uh, in this trading season. So when we look at the Red Sox, they added Kyle Schwarber and uh, Hansel Robles. You have the Rays who added uh, Nelson Cruz uh, and JT Chargois. Uh, let's, do, yeah. let's do the Red Sox first, quick. Uh, 
my question on Schwarber, so he's a 28-year-old. He has an option for next season. Remember, you, you mentioned how hot he was. He's he's on the IL. Their biggest need is first. They have Verdugo, Duran, and Renfro in their outfield. Uh, Schwarber's never played first. It, is he? Do we think he's going to play first? Is Kyle Schwarber going to play first? Is Renfro going to play I first? I think that's going to be the experiment. Uh, and my my guess is that they're going to try Schwarber first at at first, uh, mm-hmm. and then and move from there. Yeah. So I would say this. It was right after the Yankees acquired Joey Gallo that the Red Sox acquired Kyle Schwarber. In my notes, I have they had to match the Yankees in acquiring a high on high on base percentage lefty, and they did. And you hope Schwarber, they must feel good about the the medicals there. He's coming out, he's coming in, and they gave up Eldo Ramirez for him. He's kind of like a fifth rotation type of arm. You mentioned Robles, uh, soon to be 31-year-old. He's not a rental, but at times he's been kind of inconsistent this year, walking too many guys. Uh, but like you mentioned, he was closing for the Twins. He's going to, once again, a much less leveraged role in Boston. I'm sure they're not going to ask him to close probably the seventh inning. I like what Boston did. It's just not... They have a need at pitching too, right? I just yep. said it. They have a need yep. at pitching too. Now, I'm sure they're banking on – Chris Sale should be up, I think, by the end of this week, and not by two weeks for sure. And so that's what they're hoping they get for pitching, but their biggest need was pitching, and you can say Hansel Robles is something. It, it is. It's not even Brad Hand, right? I actually had them listed as the one team in the division where I'd call a, a loser yeah. because they did not make – they their starting pitching has been pitching above its head. Uh, yeah. To this oh, yeah. point in the season, oh, yeah. and you've already seen that starting to also crater and starting to show signs. Uh, ESPN uh, before the Sunday night baseball game tonight, they did their uh, roundtable with their experts on who uh, after the trading deadline moves. Who do you expect to be coming out on top with the East? No one actually picked the Red Sox. All went with Rays uh, on that on that side of it, uh, and it's because of the pitching. Yeah, uh, and I think that's when you have that much of a need. Now again, the prices were crazy uh, at the deadline, uh, so you're not going to give up that type of level within it. I don't know if they necessarily had the uh, the capital to try to do it in the first place, uh, but you needed to do something, uh, and you left that need void. And I think that's going to be a major major uh, difference maker to f- finishing first in the division. Let's go to the Rays. They made some moves on the margins. I know that. You texted me earlier in the week that we thought we were big game hunting, and it, they got Nelson Cruz earlier. Yep. yep. But after that, it was some more moves on the margins. So Sean Mar- Armstrong, they got from Baltimore for cash, thirty-year-old right-hander under team control till twenty twenty-four. The major league numbers this year are pretty awful. Uh, Eight fifty-five ERA, mostly due to his absurd twelve hits per nine innings. Uh, better in the minors, still kind of rough. The one silver lining I found was he has a ninety-ninth percentile spin rate fastball. If it wasn't for Tampa Bay, I'd say this is nothing, but you never know. They tend to have a reason for acquiring these bullpen arms. So 99th percentile spin rate fastball, that's something to work with. They look for guys with key movement or it's something that they can uh, you know, take back to the lab and see what they can now take from that one elite skill or one elite pitch and, uh, and then bring something out of it and maximize it. So you never know with any of these moves – uh, it is around the fringes, you know, from uh, Jordan Luplo and DJ yep. Johnson to the Rays, and and that one, a uh, Luplo, uh, it is what, a September call up is what I'm expecting with him because he's he crushes left handed pitching, I was say, and I, that was a need that they were looking for. You know, like they were rumored with Chris Bryant, right, for the same re- uh, reason to crush left handed pitching. Well, you might have just got a, a guy without the name who can give you the majority of what you're looking for without paying the price for it. 
that's what I, I have in my notes. The Rays love their platoon bats. And uh, 136 OPS versus lefties. He's not a free agent, unlike Chris Bryant. He's not a free agent until 2025. In the same trade, they got DJ Johnson, who in 21 innings has 35 strikeouts to 11 walks. Also not a free called agent. Up due to the different injuries in the bullpen. He was, was just called up today. Yeah, he was working as a closer at AAA. So, hey, you never know. It, I did notice that in that trade, to the going back to the Indians, they gave up Peyton Battenfield. So I looked. I said, I looked up all these guys. Uh, soon to be 24-year-old right-handed pitcher. This is some pretty impressive stats, too. So he's the ninth-round pick. I think the Rays got him in the Austin Pruitt trade a few years ago. But between... High A and double A this year, 50 or 5 and 0, 67 innings, 95 strikeouts to 12 walks. Corey likes that. You had 95 strikeouts to 12 walks. That's good. Uh, Fangrass wrote before the season that he was their breakout candidate. And hey, if those numbers certainly hold up to a breakout candidate. And if you're going from the Indians, or so that means he's been on Houston, who develops pitching good, Tampa Bay, who develops pitching good, and Cleveland, who develops pitching good. So just a name to remember. And they also know how to target. Yep. who they're looking for. So that was not uh, just some name to, to shove under. That's a guy who's got a considerable amount of promise. Uh, the one that has caused a uh, everyone for a loop is the uh, Diego Castillo for uh, J.T. Sargois. Uh, am I still saying the name right? I'm just not getting my French right. Sargois, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's uh, just, you're doing great. The uh, Why would the Rays trade their closer uh, uh, and get a guy who's maybe a lesser version of? Well, if you've been paying, if anyone who's been actually paying attention to the Rays and what's been going on, Diego Castillo is living off of name versus performance. Uh, the Rays have lost confidence in him uh, over the course of this season. Uh, they don't they don't pitch him much back to back anymore. Uh, he stops pitching one of his uh, uh, pitches. He focuses on his uh, on his sinker more than he does his slider, and that's always been a bread and butter pitch. And I think part of it's because he's lost four miles per hour on his fastball. Uh, within it, and so there's not there's no confidence there with him. Plus, uh, one of the Rays reporters was talking about maybe some uh, issues or an unsatisfaction with uh, his uh, uh, keeping himself in game shape coming into the season uh, within it. So this was a move eventually going to happen. I actually think Chargois will end up with better numbers than Castillo will over the course of the rest of this year. Castillo's interesting because... He's got a 128 OPS plus. It's still above average, right? It's It's been okay. And you mentioned he's kind of had a decline as the season went on. And I like their turn the race got, actually. I like their I like the move for the Mariners, too, because he's under team control through 2025. And I've mentioned the Mariners, their window that, that isn't ballpark this ballpark is also season. nicer, and they have time with him. Well, we'll let's talk to Mariners here, because this is kind of a duo trade, because they traded Kendall Graveman. Now, he was a free agent after this year. Diego Castillo isn't. I've said their window isn't this year. It's the next couple of years. So I understand why they wanted Diego Castillo. I don't think he might close for the rest of this season, but after that, I've already said they have Ken Giles. Guess who's going to be the closer there? Ken Giles. Diego Castillo becomes our multi-inning reliever. They have Paul Seawald, who's been awesome this year, multi-inning reliever. And so, yeah, it makes sense for me. Now, as for Sharkwah, it's kind of a journeyman arm, but it's this is the best year of his career. Lowest hits, lowest walks, and the Rays tend to get the best out of these guys. And I really like Austin Shenton. He's kind of a first, yeah. second, third. He's played all that spot. Fifth round pick 2019. Uh, the positional versatility is there, and we've seen the Rays get good success out of guys with position versatility. And with any move that the Rays make, the, the player you always have to look at is who's the add-on uh, because that's always intentional, and that's usually where they win trades is in the, the secondary piece. Between high A and double A this year, 12 homers, 61 RBIs, 300 average, 45 walks, 72 Ks, 980 OPS. That's pretty good. So I understand why they did that one too. 
I do have the Mariners, though, in my uh, lost category because of not just because of trading Graveman, which was already going to send challenges in that locker room, but who you sent him to. Sending him to the inner division, to the Astros within it, the players that were pissed off the most uh, from moves made, uh, it was the, the the Mariners' locker room upon hearing, and not just that Graveman was traded, but where he was traded to. You can't do that to your team when they're in the middle of, a, wanting to at least believe they're in the middle of a playoff chase. Uh, it sends the wrong message, and unless you believe that the player coming back from the, the Astros is going to be a superstar, trade him anywhere else. I can't believe that you couldn't get a, uh, an equivalent deal from a different team than going in division there. That was sending the wrong message. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. You don't usually see... We mentioned a few interdivision trades, which is kind of rare, but... It works if you're not contending. You can at least... Yeah. You can buy it more if you're not contending, but if you still have the belief that you're in it, that's... that's For anyone else but th- that GM, that would be career suicide. So, he went to the Astros along with Rafael Montero for Abraham Toro and Joe Smith. So... It's a career season for Kendall Graveman. He's a rental. He's a free agent after this year. He has a 176 Babbitt. Um, he likely moves into one of the, the – the Astros made quite a few bullpen moves, which is awesome. They needed it. So that's that's great. As far as, as, far as the Astros are concerned, they're, they're also a very strong winner because they saw the bullpen need. Now, Abraham Toro is the main part that went back to Seattle. That annoys me because I dropped him in fantasy last week because I thought he wasn't going to play any, every day and Alex Bregman was coming back. And then he became the first person to ever hit a home run for one team one day and against that team the next, which is annoying. But uh, I, once again, I get why they did it. You hope that Abraham Toro was Ty France. That is exactly what Seattle's hoping for. Remember last year, they traded for Ty France, and he was kind of a guy who was blocked in San Diego, and Abraham Toro was blocked in Houston. And so he's not afraid until 2026, and you can see what it is. Now, they also got Joe Smith. It's a rental there. You're, he's never had a higher. He's got like 14 and a half hits per nine I saw this year with Houston. So, yes. Does it send a weird message? Absolutely. Do I get why they did it? Yep. Kendall Graveman's probably not resigning there. Maybe he does. Do they really have a need for him? I just said they have Ken Giles and Andres Munoz waiting for him. And he's going to get paid this season, even though he does have a 176 BABIP. So, yeah, it looks weird because they sent him to Houston. They also, Seattle acquired, uh, and one of the weirder trades of the week, you see that Tyler Tyler Anderson actually got traded to the Phillies, and then it didn't happen because one of the Phillies' prospects fell through, and so and then instead he went to Seattle for Carter Bins, and this one's kind of weird because remember, Seattle's been, Seattle's been rocking that six-man rotation all year anyways just to try to limit their innings, so adding another starter is a little surprising. He's a rental with Pittsburgh and 86 strikeouts, 25 walks, 435 area, 120 whip, what they sent back was really, really low minor league players. You're hoping you get, you know, Seattle traded Freddie Peralta to the Brewers when he was like 18. You're hoping you get that if you're the Pirates. But as far as what Seattle did, I like you said, it's hard to say that a team that's contending, I think they're four games back of the wild card last I looked, sends away some of their best players. But in all honesty, they were not going to catch the Astros. With Kendall Graveman going to the Astros or not, it would have been shocking if they caught the Astros, and it would have been shocking to me if they made the playoffs. 
it's more messaging than it is in performance. Because yep. I agree with you, and, and everything you're saying, it, it wasn't a bad trade from what they re- they got, uh, and also with being realistic to what was going on. It's just when you're when you're a team that's that's starting to show an ascent where you want to say we're building towards something. It feels, at least in the locker room and in the fan base, uh, a step back. Now again, he tried to defend it by saying, "Don't view this in a vacuum right here. Wait for the collection of moves." And you could say, how much did they lose on the basis of Graveman to Castillo? Mm. I, I, I get it. It's comparable. I get it. Can we talk about the Astros, though? Because I said, I like that one. Can we talk the Astros here? Let's do it. Okay, so I said, you got Kendall Graveman. And, and we said, another team. No offense needed, right? No offense necessary. They have offense for days, and Alex Bregman's coming back, which is even better. So their need, we said it, bullpen. I think you mentioned you thought maybe Craig Kimball would be a good fit there, and he, it would have been. But instead, they got Kendall Graveman. They got Yimi Garcia. Yimi Garcia has been closing this season for the Marlins. He's a rental, but 35 strikeouts to 13 walks at 347 ERA. He's probably going to be now pitching the seventh inning in Houston. Like suddenly your bullpen's looking a little longer. And then on top of that, they got Phil Maton from Cleveland, who's not a free agent until 2024. Cleveland has a really strong bullpen. So Maton was already a mid reliever, uh, 41 innings, 61 strikeouts to 20 walks, a 313 FIP. He's got like a mid fours ERA, but Better days should be ahead there. Suddenly, once again, another team said, look, we have a weakness. Uh, your bullpen now includes Ryan Presley, Kendall Graveman, Yimi Garcia, and now Phil Maton. On top of the fact they've sort of, I think Luis Garcia and Christian Javier, they're sort of flipping those guys around. So I like what Houston did a lot. They gave up a few prospects. Austin Pruitt, I mentioned earlier, he got traded again. That's like his third trade already. Brian De La Cruz is an interesting outfielder with a lot of power, but I think he had 12 home runs this season, and he's never had like his total of 16 in his career. And they traded Miles Straw, who's like that super fast center fielder that they've been playing, a 97th percentile sprint speed. He went back to Cleveland. I saw he was playing right away at center field. But overall, Houston as a team, you mentioned the White Sox and Houston. Those are clearly, we've said for a long time, those are clearly the two best teams, and they both clearly improved their bullpen, which is what good teams do. And and exactly, you've now established, here's the top two. Uh, the, the AL East uh, is going to be a category under. They can compete, and you never know within it. Depends upon health for the Rays, and uh, can Boston keep pitching, uh, their starting pitching, pitch above their heads uh, within this. So uh, that's going to be the, the key there, but you now have a clear top two teams in the American League that has been established. Uh, when we come back, we're going to take a look at the uh, three more teams that we want to highlight, uh, at least on, on my list that I have here, that need to be talked about from the San Francisco Giants that got an impact bat as part of this. Dave Dombrowski, this is why you brought him in for Philly. Big move there. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, I call them the most underrated uh, team of the, the deadline for an underrated moves filling major needs. Talking about that next. Take away our phones, and you can take away our keys, but you cannot take away our dreams. That's right, because we're like sleeping when we have them. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.
So we were just talking during the break that uh, we're trying to cover this in as succinctly as we can, but there's so many moves from this trading deadline that there's a lot to cover here, and it and things that you can't just gloss over. These were major moves that were made, teams that are making uh, uh, big trades to go with it, and we're seeing uh, still more. As I mentioned, there's three that I was going to cover. There's two that Corey mentioned off-air that we need to get uh, all five of these teams uh, uh, talked about for what they're doing from a, a playoff standpoint, too. So bear uh, bear with us for a uh, baseball-loaded uh, content. I as we 9,000 words typed about this, just so you all know. So I'm cutting out a lot here, <laughs> but... Uh, can we keep it quick in the AL West since we were just finishing the AL West? Let's talk Oakland quick. So Oakland is currently, I think, in the final wild card spot. And Oakland made a few deals. So right away early in the week, they were the first volume first team that raided the Cubs bullpen. And they got Andrew Chafin for Greg Diekman. So Chafin's been really good this year. Uh, 31-year-old, he has a mutual option next year. He's a lefty, and they really needed a lefty. So 206 ERA, 37 Ks to 12 walks. But... Really good, actually, against both sides. 147 average against righties and a 164 against lefties. That's that's a good move. So that gives them a three-person rotation or end of the bullpen of Louis Trevino, uh, Andrew Chafin, and why can't I think of the third guy? Jake Diekman. And that's really good as they try to keep pace with the Astros. Now, another guy that I mentioned is possibly going to the Astros because they had a – I didn't always like start Miles Straw was Starling Marte, right? I mentioned Starling Marte. And this was one of the – I think this trade was Wednesday. And it was kind of a – early blockbuster because of what they gave up. So Marte went to the Astros. Now remember, last year, the Marlins got him for Humberto Mejia and Caleb Smith. They now turned him into Jesus Cesardo, and we'll get to that in a second here because that's a good start for the Marlins team, which we both like. Now, Marte's a true rental because he's a free agent after this season. He's 33. Uh, but along with Ramon Laureano and Mark Conner, you could argue that this is now the best defensive outfield in baseball, and it was already really good. And he's been really good this season. 306 average, 407 on base percentage, seven homers, 22 walks. And they needed a more contact bat to balance out their their heavy uh, power and strikeout lineup. He's never really had a – I was looking at his career, right? Pittsburgh, Arizona, Miami, and Oakland. The poor guy can never get to a good hitting park. But, yeah, Marte is a really good fit for what they needed. Now, I'm just going to – since we're already talking about it, we're not going to talk too much about Miami. Hazel Zazardo going back is a big deal. Like, this is a guy you picked last year to win Rookie of the Year. Not a free agent until 2026. It was last season. This was, like, the best pitching prospect in baseball. Change of scenery. Uh, I don't care how much the star has diminished overall to get him for a rental. You take that deal every chance you get. Like, there's a lot to work with there, and now you need to try to unpack it and see if you can put him back into a positive standpoint. But change of scenery is number one. And Miami knows how to develop pitching, right? Yes, Look at do. this rotation. Like, all of these guys, I think, are maxed out at 26. You have Jesus Cesardo, Sixto Sanchez, Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, Eliezer Hernandez, Trevor Rogers, and then coming are Edward Cabrera. We'll, I think we'll see him this year. Braxton Garrett's been good, and Max Meyer, who they drafted last year, is awesome talent. Like, good work, Kim Ong. You did great. The Marlins will be a force to be reckoned with for a long time with that pitching staff. And pitching is a premium that can get you other needs. The Rays have been doing that for years themselves with what they've developed and acquired. The Marlins are now in a spot where they've already said they're going to be moving pitching in the offseason to address other needs. And they have a wealth of it uh, to get something good over in in Miami as part of their, their rebuild. The last Oakland trade of the week was they acquired Josh Harrison and Jan Gomes in the national sell-off for Drew Millis, Seth Schumann, and Richard Gauch. Now, Josh Harrison's a 34-year-old rental, but 
it's such a great, like, it's such an Oakland move where he can play first, second, every outfield spot. He has won a World Series a few years ago. He's hitting 294 this year with a 366 on base percentage. For the sake of my fantasy team, I hope he plays every day for them, but it is a great move. Jan Gomes is the same thing. Another rental backup catcher, but hitting 271, like, I think there's, I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, they make moves on the margins. And we've heard them rumored to Trevor Story, but they tend to make marginal moves. Now, Marte is a, is a superstar move. That's a big one. But the other two are smaller moves Josh Harrison, Jan Gomes, Andrew Chafin, that will help this team win games. If I would have said on offense, their biggest weakness was contact, right? Right. Yeah. They, they have power. And so now they added three players, whether bit role to a full time starting role to more of a, uh, uh, one of their better players, a starting position players now with Marte. All of them are going to play a key uh, aspect of, of improving this team. Again, we've been talking about this entire trade deadline. The reason we call some of these teams winners or a lot of these teams winners is there's a specific need that they had and they went out and acquired it with above-average players. That's exactly what Oakland did here uh, to try to and uh, keep their playoff spot and hold off the Yankees or Blue Jays. I, I couldn't agree more. I, we'll see how Oakland does. I, I'd like to see Oakland, but I, I'm, I think I'm going to pick Toronto in that division. Let's go. Ooh, where should we go? Should we finish NL West? Sure. Let's do well, Since we're already out West, let's go. Let's do the small move that the Padres made first. The, the, the Padres, I said, they were probably leading the base for Max Scherzer. It seems like that the only move they really ended up making was Daniel Hudson. And... 34-year-old relief pitcher currently on the COVID IL. He's a rental. He's actually pitched better than Brad Hand this year for the Nationals. 4-1, 32 innings, 48 strikeouts to 7 walks. Here's what I say about the Padres. Your bullpen really wasn't a weakness. Uh, You had Mark Melancon, Drew Pomeranz, Emilio Pagan. And I'm not saying you can't add bullpen arms, but you had bigger needs. Like, your starting pitching hasn't been good. And, yeah, I don't know what you offered for Max Scherzer. Obviously, it wasn't enough. You should have found a pitcher. Once you didn't get Max Scherzer, the Padres needed to find a way to get Jose Brios. Because I said, you're already behind the national. You're already behind the Giants and the Dodgers. You had to make up ground and you're losing ground. And I said, now you've lost Fernando Tatis. So I don't really know what needs to be said. They also brought in Jake Marisnik for Anderson Espinosa. If you so Anderson Espinosa, quick quick story here. Have you seen Anderson Espinosa's career at all? So this is a guy who got traded at one time, I believe straight up for Drew Pomerantz way back in 2016. Since that time, two TJ surgeries and a COVID year. He is still 23 years old, and he's pitched a total of 28 innings, even though he's been in baseball for five years. And this year, it's 37 strikeouts to 13 walks. So you you pull for a guy like that going back to the Cubs, but I was very disappointed in the Padres' moves. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. They were outbid for Gallo and Scherzer, and uh, you have your uh, the Giants made more impactful moves. Uh, the Dodgers made more impactful moves. Like You are sliding back... And now with when you combine that with the Tatis injury, there's a chance you miss the playoffs despite uh, uh, everything from last year to this year. Uh, man, how windows can close. Uh, and it's a lot of like things that you can't... Like, I'm not going to blame a front office for the last... You did everything you could in the last two years to make this something, and every pl- everything that you did just turned to like the, the pumpkin at midnight, it was, right? You, it's, it's been you, Darvish, right? You, Darvish is the one guy we said has basically been better than they thought. Beyond that, you could have you could say that Blake Snell has completely underachieved. Chris Paddock has completely underachieved. Machado has been great, like and Tatis is great. So 
it's a lot of, they rely way too much on just a few players is what I'd say about them. But let's go to a team that doesn't rely on a few players. And this is another team kind of like your team. The sum is greater than the parts. And now they added a big part, San Francisco. They are still, I went leading the national league West and the Dodgers made a big move, but the giants made a pretty big move here. Uh, kind of out of character for them, but Chris Bryant, 29 years old, positionally versatile at this point. He can play first, third outfield, but he's a rental, right? He'll a free agent after this year. And this is one we've all knew it. It was going to, at least we thought it was going to happen. We all knew Trevor Story should have traded too, but we'll get to that, I'm sure. And Chris Bryant, 18 homers, 51 RBIs, 267 this year. He's kind of having a bounce back year, 133 OPS plus. I guess my question with Chris Bryant is, right now he'll play third because Longoria is still hurt, but Longoria is back soon. Then is it the, I think it's the outfield, right? And with, uh, with Belt. Yeah, uh, Belt's health. right now. Yeah, uh, so he's coming back too. W- what's nice is you have a guy that no matter what happens injury wise, you can plug him in just about everywhere at, at all the corners, infield and outfield. Uh, he even has some time in center field uh, yeah. for that matter. So his versatility is going to be key, and you'll you'll move him around. Like I think he's going to be more uh, of a the, a very premium super utility player who plays every day, uh, but is going to get into the lineup and make an impact that way. I do think that Chris Bryant is going to. He's going to be good. I think that the numbers are going to take a dip. That ballpark the, is hard. And Chicago's not, right? Like, Chicago's another very good hitter's park, and San Francisco is not. Now, the original return going back to Chicago is reported as Joey Bart, and it turned out that wasn't the case. They got Alexander Canario, who's actually a pretty good prospect. Um, twenty year old, He was the 13th-rated prospect in the Giants system, 21 years old from the Dominican. Uh, Fangraph says, quote, ridiculous power and elite bat speed. But I said... You have to make contact first, and that's apparent right now. He's at a ball, nine home runs, 15 steals, but 79 strikeouts and 235 at-bats leads to a 235 average. My notes, I said, when you get a player like this, if it works, the Cubs get another Javier Baez, right? Power, speed, a lot of strikeouts. When it doesn't work, you get Lewis Brinson. That's who the Brewers traded for Christian Yelich. So it can work. It can also not work. They also got a relief pitcher who has 96 strikeouts to nine walks. That's awesome. Way to go. That's not nearly as highly regarded, but 96 strikeouts to nine walks. Good job, Cubs. I like the move for Chris Bryant. I do. It's when you just look at it though, in comparison to what the Dodgers made once he, and I don't want to, it's hard to score the giants against the Dodgers, but that's what we're at, right? Like those teams clearly seem like the better teams at this point than the Padres and Chris Bryant's good. He's a rental. Trey Turner's better. And they get him another year. The, the thing to me is the giants have every time you expect someone else to surpass them, they stay on top. They beat There's Houston been, this week. I was gonna say, multiple series now with the Dodgers. Like, is this the time? And it, and each time the the Giants stay on top. Now Houston, they're going up against. They're staying on top. I, the reason why I like this is this is a team that just needs a little bit of support with what they're already doing. Offense was their uh, their bigger need, and so this this has a chance to be impactful. It's only one move versus a bunch of moves but it has the chance to be the right move. We'll find out as, as that goes. Uh, if we move on to, oh, let's talk uh, let's talk Brewers. Hey, let's, let's work our way across the country. We'll go to the yeah. east. We'll, we'll start off in the central here at Milwaukee. So I'll take Milwaukee. So Milwaukee's first big move is months ago, right? They acquired Willie Adamas. I've said that's probably you're not going to get much better production than what they've got at Willie Adamas, and that's great. Uh they added another infielder, Eduardo Escobar. So this was like the one, well, one of the two trades, I guess, that Arizona made. But 32-year-old rental infielder, 
This is the third time he's been traded in his career. Congratulations. The White Sox to Minnesota and then Minnesota to Arizona and now Arizona to Milwaukee. A switch hitting super utility type of player. He's played every position. He had never played first. He's already played first once for the Brewers. 22 home runs, 65 RBIs, hitting 246. He was an all-star this season. He's had four straight 20 home run seasons, not counting the weird COVID year with around a 250 average. Like, you know what you're getting. I don't know if he'll resign in Milwaukee. It doesn't really matter. Uh, the Brewers are going to play him at first. They're going to play him at third. They're going to start finding a way to get Luis Urias to play some short to get Willie Adamas some days off. It is a good fit in a team and a, a team that's pretty good. I say can always use these utility players and start getting guys days off. And Escobar fits perfectly for that. It fits. Uh, again, they needed some offense. He's the right. We said it at first. It seemed like any position was going to be an upgrade uh, when we were talking about things early on. Then that started changing, right? Uh, Adamas coming in uh, put Urias in a less of a uh, defensive challenge and allowed him to focus a little more, get the pressure off of him. He started hitting better. Uh, some players started improving. I, I still like Rowdy Telez. I still think that's going to be a good move for them uh, within it. Uh, and he's showing uh, signs of life there. Eduardo Ar- uh, Escobar is the the right fit for this team. Smaller move, but chance for bigger impact made two more small moves in the bullpen, right? Good teams have to find ways to get to the end of the season at this point. The Brewers have already shown they're willing. They're going to start resting the arms of Freddie Peralta specifically. I assume Corbin Burns is going to get some rest times, Eric Lauer, but in doing so, you need to, you need to fill those innings. So Daniel Norris, 28 year old left-handed rental. He's had the 378 FIP is encouraging. The ERA is almost six. And lefties are hitting 200 against him this season. I know the Brewers brought him in yesterday in a pretty big inning against the Braves, and he got him out. And he's got much better stats post-All-Star break. And then the other move I actually like a lot. John Curtis is a 28-year-old pitcher who's not a free agent until 2026. Uh, he's already been traded a few times between, I think, Tampa Bay, Miami, and I think there was even another team in there. But the last couple seasons between Tampa Bay and Miami are really good. This season, 40 innings, 40 strikeouts, 9 walks, 248 ERA. The Brewers have used him... He was not very good yesterday, but he was much better today, I saw. And uh, they had to give up Peyton Henry, who's a pretty highly regarded catching prospect in Miami. But if you can get a lock, another arm, just to, once again, you know what's in a theme? Like, lengthening your bullpen, right, is a yep. big theme among teams that are in contention. So, And the Brewers are very much in contention, the favorites in the National League Central. You know, Saris loves John Curtis. Uh, he was one of those who mentioned as far as, like, stuff plus for That's that advanced thing, stat. Right? That is his thing. Uh, for guys that were available, and here's the stat for John Curtis was on that, like, top five, top eight list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's not AI. He's not Craig Kimbrell. He's not one of the bigger names. But as far as for middle relief and being very effective and having good stuff, which, again, Here's why that matters, and the reason why he talks about that so much is more for playoff bound because then you're going up against much higher level competition. You need good stuff to go against good bats, uh, and so that has a chance to be a very good move uh, for the uh, for the Brewers, who again gave up some of those types of uh, uh, bullpen arms to get Willie Adamas, and now you're going back and filling that in in a very effective way. I love what the Brewers did here. Again, it's not going to get you uh, top team on any sort of trade deadline winners list, but as far as helping you win the NL Central and be more better positioned to uh, contend in the playoffs, yeah, absolutely. I love what they did. I couldn't agree more. The quick mention of some of the other NL Central teams, we're not going to talk about these at all. The Cardinals are now running out the oldest starting pitcher rotation in the history of baseball. They made a move for J.A. Happ. Who what is, is he doing? I have no idea. Like, 
I don't think they're, they can't think they're contending do, this year. Do like, they have an old timers league that they're wanting I, to get into now? Cause you have J.A. Happ and then the John Lester, they added yeah. plus Adam Wainwright. <laughs> Quan Young Kim is like the young guy, I think right now at like 33. So the Cardinals made some moves. I don't, they cannot possibly think they're contending there for once that, and it's rare for me to be able to say that because I've seen the Cardinals contend with some really weird teams, but this is not going to contend, and the you Reds... You add John Lester and say, hey, we're contending I now. I don't know why they did it. Ten years ago, maybe. I will say the Reds, you mentioned the Reds are making up ground in a hurry on the Padres. They keep winning games, and the Reds' issue all year has been their bullpen. And small moves, once again, small moves. Like Michael Givens, Michael uh, Givens, Sessa, Justin Wilson. That's it, right? Three different bullpen arms. And it may not seem like a lot, but Sess has been pretty good this year with the Yankees. He has a 154 ERA plus. That's pretty effective. And Justin Wilson's been, I don't know, traded a bajillion times in his career because lefties can always, like, lefties who can get people out are always in high demand. And it's a high upside, low risk for a bullpen that struggled. And Givens, I think he's a free agent. Actually, he is. He's a free agent after the season. And his ERA is pretty good, 273, and pitched most of his games in Colorado. It's been a bit lucky. The year of the FIP is, like, mid-fours. But it's probably an upgrade over what Cincinnati's rolled out there. I watched, you know, I've seen a lot of Cincinnati games against the Brewers this season where they've had a lead and their bullpen bulls it. So uh, at this point, it's going to be a, it's going to be hard for San Diego to hold off the Cincinnati Reds and some of those teams out east. So let's move to the east, shall we? Let's do it. So we got Oh, let's start with the Mets cuz the Mets don't have very many moves here. The Mets made one large move and that is that they acquired Javier Baez and Trevor Williams. So Javier Baez, a 28-year-old rental shortstop, I expect him to play second when Francisco Lindor gets healthy and that's basically why I think Javier Baez is here is Lindor and him are best friends, which it's kind of an NBA thing, but whatever. And I guess I just don't, I mentioned it last week. I don't value Baez like MLB do MLB teams do. I guess his skill set is going to age awfully. Now I, the Mets don't have to resign him for this year. He'll probably be fine. He's like a good fantasy player, right? 22 home runs, 13 steals, but he leads the national league in strikeouts at 131 and he's got 15 walks. He has a one away at OPS plus. I mentioned that last week. He's, basically a league average player most of the time. So yeah, I, I get it. They also brought in, you know, Trevor Williams in that trade. He's going to eat very similar to the Rich Hill acquisition. You're hoping to get serviceable innings until you get, like Sally Carrasco finally came back, until you get Jacob DeGrom back or Noah Syndergaard back. You have to, or even David Peterson back. You have to get to that time. So you need rein- to bridge the gap. Yeah, reinforcements, right, to get to that time. Now, you traded Pete Crow Armstrong, right? You traded Jared Kelnick a few years ago for Edwin Diaz. How's that working out? Well, Jared Kelnick's not played well, but guess what? I'm taking Jared Kelnick. And maybe Pete Crow Armstrong isn't Jared Kelnick, but guess what? Maybe he is. The Mets, 19th overall pick in last year's draft. Yeah, a really highly regarded pick. Like, that was considered a pretty big drop, too. And, you know, I, I didn't even bring up the stats because it's not a whole lot of in it. Like, he's the first year, right? But if nothing else, he's going to have a great glove. I watched him play. He's going to have a awesome glove. Good defensive skills. Absolutely. I just, it's a lot. It's a lot for a rental and a guy who's going to, if you get all your bullpen or your arms back, Trevor Williams is a bullpen arm at best. So in the the right context, it wreaked desperation. Like we have to do something. And it said, uh, there was a big report that they were really close to a trade for Kenta Maeda and Josh Donaldson. I have no idea what that would have included you just get the feeling that would have fit better for what this team needed. And I would agree. And maybe they hold off, but you need Jacob DeGrom back. You need Francisco Lindor back. And I don't know. The, the Mets are a weird team again. I feel like we said this since we've started doing this podcast. The Mets are a weird team. 
It's good. Stay to your strengths, right? That's so right. Uh, we'll see how that uh, how that goes for them. Well, let's all talk about the last team that they have to hold off out east. Uh, this is why you brought Dave Dombrowski to your organization. This is what he does, right? Uh, he will burn your farm system to the ground, but you hope that he at least gets you a championship in the process or some good deep playoff runs, right? That's the point. Uh, and so Kyle Gibson was the... Uh, if, if Max Scherzer was unattainable because he only was going to a couple of key teams, uh, Kyle Gibson, uh, by this year's stats, uh, better uh, better impact potentially than Jose Barrios. Now, it, different type of pitcher. Barrios is going to strike more out, going to show more elite stuff. Gibson with the, the sinker ball, if you have good defense, uh, can really play up within it and give you good innings. He did in his debut start for the Phillies today as well. But both Kyle Gibson and uh, Ian Kennedy, so an extra bullpen arm, which we know Philly always needs bullpen arms for days. Uh, and then adding in defense with uh, shortstop Freddie Galvis. Yeah, return from Kennedy, Freddie Galvis. He's only been gone a little bit, but yep. that's, that's a good move, right? They've already seen Gregorius and Segura have each missed time this year, so I, I like the Freddie Galvis move. Gibson is fine. Uh, he's Actually, I thought he was a rental, but he's not. He's a free agent in 2023. It's, it's definitely the best season of his pretty long career. You have to really question what's different this year then, right? So I looked at it. What's really changed this year? So, because this is not a Kevin Gaussman jump. I, don't, I I think Kevin Gaussman is now an ace, right? I don't think Kyle Gibson's an ace. And no. here's the thing. Like, he doesn't have to be, right? Zach Wheeler's an ace. Aaron Nola's an ace. So they have aces. Now, Gibson and Eflin are, I think Eflin's hurt right now. But when they get him back, it's a pretty good top four. It, it's not, you, you know, now have a playoff rotation. Yeah, you have a playoff rotation. So the ERA's about a run lower than the FIP. It should be a good pitcher. I think Kyle Gibson's a good pitcher. I don't think he's an. I said a great pitcher. Now and Kennedy under control uh, through next year. Through under control next year. Yeah, Kennedy immediately. They said you almost hardly never hear this. They immediately said he's our closer. Like I, you almost never hear that. I was looking back. Do you remember that Ian Kennedy finished fourth in Cy Young voting in 2011? 21 wins. I did it's not been remember a, that. A wild <laughs> career uh, for him. Re. Uh, Rebranding himself, right? Now, usually when you get when you flame out of the rotation after your arm goes that way, uh, it's usually it. He bounced around. He stayed with it. He reinvented himself as a relief pitcher and a pretty good one. Yeah. What, the, what you like about Kennedy is the thirty-two. Like, so he's got the sixteen saves, right? That's one thing. But the thirty-two innings, thirty-five K, seven walks. That's what I look at first, almost every time. And then I look at ERA, and then I look at FIP, and then I look at OPS plus, or ERA plus. But Bullpen arms don't walk guys. That's how you lose games. Please do not walk players. And Kennedy's been doing that well. I like the return for Philadelphia. I get it. I also like the return that Texas got for Ian Kennedy and Kyle Gibson. They got Spencer Howard back. So yes. it's not that much different than Jesus Lazardo, where I agreed. Spencer Howard is a really highly regarded prospect. And he's 25 years old. He's not a free agent until 2027. Uh we've seen him at the big league level the last two years, but it's 52 innings of a 581 ERA. You look at the minors and you see why Spencer Howard's so highly regarded. 71 innings, 94 strikeouts to 16 walks in 2019 with a 203 ERA. Here's what I'd say about Spencer Howard. He kind of got forced to the big leagues a year early because of the COVID thing last year, right? No minor league year. If he had a minor league season last year, we'd be talking like, okay, Spencer Howard's going to be really good, right? So I love the move for Texas. I think it fits great for their timeline. I, I like the move for Philly too. I think it's one of those... Like help help deals, kind of like the Jesus Cesaro Starling Marte trade. The Phil, I, I like that trade a lot, and so I think that Philly 
going I think the Philly the Philly Brave Mets uh race to first is going to be fun to watch. I was going to ask that which which division uh races are are most interesting to you? You have four teams in the AL East all loaded up uh, with yeah. impact players. Uh you have the NL West uh doing their uh their thing, more Dodgers than the other two, but still moves that were being made. Uh each each team added an all-star uh, from the three that are there, and then you uh, go to the NL East, where we've covering and covered the Mets, Phillies, Braves have all made moves. I think the I think the East Coast teams are going to be fun to watch. I think the NL East is going to be a race between those three, and it's going to be tight till the end. I, I said I think the AL East is going to be fun just to see. So, is it the the Rays unproven young pitchers who who pick it up? Is it Chris Sale comes back and Boston keeps their pitching going? Is it the new Burrios trade uh, for Toronto, who's now playing finally in Toronto? Does that help them? And does I, the Yankees didn't add? A, I said technically they added Andrew Heaney, but I'm not counting Andrew Heaney as a good add. So, or do the Yankees bomb their way to a championship? So that's going to be fun to watch there. Uh, the, the Central divisions are basically set. I don't think anybody's catching the Brewers at this point in the National League Central, and I'm positive no one's catching the White Sox in the AL Central. So those are basically set. Now out west. I think Houston holds off in the AL West. They added, I said, they filled their need. Now the question will be, can Oakland hold off all those AL East teams? And we'll see. Oakland made some moves too. So it's going to be hard for them to hold off the AL East because I I really like, specifically, I really like Toronto, but uh, I can say I'll about them for a while. And NL West, it feels like a two-team race at this point. And the question is, does San, here's my question. Let's say San Diego finishes as the wild card. And you had to pitch you Darvish the last day. Do you trust Blake Snell in a one-game playoff, or which? Who do you roll out there if you Darvish can't pitch? Good luck to you. Yeah, exactly. That's what I would say. Is one of those teams is going to have to play in a playoff? And if I'm the Dodgers, like I got options. I can throw you, Max Scherzer. I think you better factor in bullpen game, right? And and Blake Snell is uh, like a couple innings, and you you find out is it good Snell or Blake Snell in that first inning, and you're ready to go. It's short hook. Uh, he puts two men on in the first inning. I'm already getting the bullpen warmed up. Like that's how you have to do that with him. And like, we'll have we'll have to see who makes it between the Dodgers and the Giants because that'll be interesting too. Because I don't know who the Giants roll out there in a one game playoff either. They essentially don't have. I mean, I, I, Gaussman. I forget about Kevin Gaussman being amazing. So, yeah. Can we talk about the team that didn't make any trades? Let's do it. So, are the Colorado Rockies incompetent? Like. And that's not a thing. trick question. We anymore. called this, right? Yep, we we said we're going to do this. Did a normal team, Trevor Story is gone. Even Herman Marquez probably should have left. CJ Cron should have left. John Gray should have left. All those guys should be gone. Guess what? We are here at August 1st, and none of them are gone. They moved Michael and, Gibbons. And we're not uh, uh, the only ones confused. Trevor Story on, on Twitter expressed the, yeah, I don't know what's going on here. He's told them he's going to leave. So here's what you're going to get. At the end of this year, they will give him the qualifying offer. He will reject that because he should, because he will get paid more than that. Even in this great shortstop class, he will get paid more than that by someone. Now he may not make the fifty million though to actually get the the top pick because it needs to be a, the contract has to be fifty million or more for you to net a compensatory first round pick. He may not get that yeah. based upon this year. So what are you getting from the the Rockies? Like I said, it's. This is the most incompetent team in Major League Baseball. There's your Pittsburgh Pirate oh, positive for the moment. It's not even close it, anymore. Pittsburgh is miles ahead yep, of Colorado. And they've made some some good trades yes. here uh, and some good draft picks. Like yes. There's a lot of positives that are going on there where Colorado, it, it used to be like, okay, who's uh, 
who's going to try to take on that rebuild? Now, who wants that job? I don't. Uh, you have seen so many red flags here with this. I would, I would turn it down. Every day that Herman Marquez sits on that lineup, too, his value becomes less valuable because he loses another day of control. So Trevor Story is going to leave. John Gray is going to leave. Uh, who knows if they'll, they, for all they know, they'll keep CJ Cron for whatever reason, even though he won't be good or he'll be fine, but he won't be good for them if they ever contend. And every day that Herman Marquez sits on that lineup, his value becomes less. They, it, think of what, sorry, mm-hmm. I didn't mean to cut no, you no, off. Go ahead, go ahead. Think of what Toronto got for Jose Barrios for a guy with one year of team control. That's exact same. As far as I'm, I haven't looked it up. I'm Marquez pretty sure Marquez has another you, year. Oh yeah, he's at, at least. I think three years total. Okay. That might be counting two and a half, but it's either two and a half or three and think a half. Think of what they could have gotten for him. And instead, he will sit there. They he, will finish fifty and one hundred and ten. I sorry, I just can't handle it. Yeah. Like, well, the only way you take the, the gig for rebuilding that team is it has to be in the contract, full control over everything, front office. Like, it needs to be you get to decide everything that's going on and no no one can uh, can veto your move because uh, that thing needs to be burned to the ground and started all over this is a five-year rebuild at minimum for the the level of what you need to do because whoever's left there whoever's making these decisions how why would you want them on board with whatever new comes next like this needs to be a cleaning house situation and right now this also makes you question ownership completely which is what happened from the Nolan Arenado deal from the beginning within it you have a place that has good attendance you have the the financial means here I have no idea what this this organization is doing and if I don't I can only imagine the same for any sort of worth their salt GM candidate I am sorry Rockies fans that you exist as far as you have to watch that it is almost Denver Broncos season Congratulations. They didn't get Aaron Rodgers, though. But congratulations on Aaron Rodgers for coming back. Let's mention some of the guys that didn't get traded. We mentioned Trevor Story. Uh, last week, we mentioned that Whit Merrifield's name was being speculated as at least Seattle. Uh, Kansas City mentioned that they wanted a haul for him. They didn't get it. I don't blame them for keeping Whit Merrifield. Uh, anything to say on Whit Merrifield? No, okay. And then a couple of Baltimore guys, we mentioned that they moved what they could. The, the big names that they kept were John Means, who was under team control for a few years, and Trey Mancini. I wasn't really surprised on that. Once again, they're under team control for long enough, and there's enough yep. of a track record. Like, it's not the same as Colorado, right? They're not Correct. that bad. There's a Correct. chance that they could be better than that. So you keep those guys. This one was kind of surprising. Uh, Byron Buxton, everybody thought Philly would be in on this, but. He's hurt, right? Now, you made the big move in the end to get Gibson and Ian Kennedy. I, if Byron Buxton, and I think he's a free agent after the season? You know, he's at another year of team control. Another year of team control. I do believe he's moved in the offseason. I think okay. when he's healthy, I think that's the one where it, it makes sense uh, that if they're wanting to make a move, it's either going to be he resigns in the offseason or he's traded in the offseason. Uh, there was talk of Josh Donaldson from the Twins. That would have been the Twins eating a lot of contract, right? I know that some people mentioned, I saw a Brewers report, like he would have fit, but no one's going to eat take on Josh Donaldson's contract. So if the Twins would have done the Joey Gallo, Anthony Rizzo thing and ate that contract, yeah, he could have left. He's still there. Jose Ramirez, I said the Indians, the they Indians don't be might left be, with nothing. They the at least Indians have one might superstar. be on the Rockies level of, as far as like, theirs is just Indecision. extraordinarily cheap. There's this just humble. I think they're running like a $30 million payroll right now or something ridiculous, right? So Jose Ramirez should net you 
a ton because he's under team control for at least you, two years, three years. You could trade him in the offseason or you're looking at health, right? You have you have the big guns. You have uh, Shane Bieber with healthy. Uh, you have... Uh, uh, Aaron Savali not at the same level, but you have, uh, you have some okay. other pitchers that are at least decent. Jose Ramirez, you have a star offensive player. There's uh, the, with the exception of, of the White Sox and what's going on there right now, that division's very winnable. Uh, so you have uh, some pieces you could work with, but you you're getting to the point again where just like where Colorado was a couple of years ago, you need to make a decision on what you're going to do. Either you need to fully commit to adding pieces to it. Or you're at the point where if you want to actually get good value for these guys, trade them now and start a rebuild. The other big bullpen, I guess the biggest bullpen name that didn't move was Raziel Iglesias. Uh, the Angels, not really going to, I don't. they're not catching the Houston Astros. I don't think they're going to catch Oakland even because Mike Trout's still not playing. And Iglesias was thought of maybe as right below Kimbrell as a pretty good bullpen arm. And he's still there. And the only other team I have is not making... So the Diamondbacks traded Joaquin Soria and Eduardo Escobar, but I wasn't surprised they kept Cattell Marte. That one I wasn't surprised about, but David Peralta's still there. Uh, that was kind of surprising to me. Cole Calhoun's still there. Like These are guys that Especially you would have thought... Especially when you think of how much volume was done here. Yeah, those are guys that you would have thought outfielders like that, even as fourth outfielders, like teams want those guys. So I was surprised that they kept as much as they did. I mentioned Jonathan Scope, Robbie Grossman, Jesus Aguilar. Those were all names I thought could have moved and didn't, but... There were certainly a lot of moves as we've been talking about it for close to two hours here. The the last thing I'll say on this is uh, moving to like the the teams with the fire sale, uh, and uh, uh, we have uh, uh, we we have teams that I liked. For me, it's the Nationals and Twins. That's who I've loved uh, as far as like the the prospects in, in return. Uh, I I love the Nationals as far as once you committed to it. They committed to it, and they traded everybody uh, that was uh, not uh, any board not nailed down. What was moved and the, and the right deals, right? And you got uh, Kyber Ruiz, you got Josiah Gray, you got some of the other uh, from the trade from with Brad Hand. Like you, you acquired some very uh, top end prospects. Uh, that's going to help uh, rebuild and more of a better age group with Juan Soto. Uh, so to me. They did it right because I think their one-year one rebuild is what I'm seeing as far as getting because these are close to majors guys. You're going to have a new young core that you can augment with a very deep ownership pocket that you can start uh, strategically going after. Yeah, The Nationals did it well. The, the Twins are really Itching. close. The they twins. went after it. Joe Ryan, Drew yeah. Stropman with Nelson Cruz, uh, the players that they acquired uh, for Jose Bar- uh, Barrios that we've talked about here uh, from a former uh, and former – uh, fifth overall picked your second favorite prospect in last year's draft uh, to uh, Simeon Woods Richardson. Like, this, they did well. And they have young players already on that team. Yep. We've talked about some of these guys, right? Trevor Larnick is young. Uh, Alex Kirilov is hurt right now, but young. Ryan Jeffers, they have a young core already on that team that had, I, I think the Twins can turn it around pretty quickly. That's a nice uh, a quick tra- uh, transition to the, the next wave of team. The other teams that rebuilt, the Cubs, I think the Cubs did okay. Yeah, as far solid. as they moved all their players on, uh, as they did it the right way, right? You tear it all down, right? Don't, maybe, I said, I thought they would keep one. They didn't, and that's okay. Like, in, in the end, it worked. Now, I said, Pete Crow Armstrong, he could be very good for a rental of Javier Baez. That could work out great for them. A couple of guys from the Giants, a couple of guys from the, the Yankees from Rizzo, and then they got, Cody Hoyer and Nick Madrigal. I said, I like Nick Madrigal. So 
I like what the Cubs did too. Uh, the other like tear down team would be like the Texas Rangers, right? And I just said I like Spencer Howard that they got back. So none of those teams are contending, right? None of those teams are going to contend the rest of this year. As far as I think quickest turnaround, I think it's I think it's the Twins. Uh, I Agreed. think that that they can turn it around quickest. As far as like top end talent, I, I think it's the Nationals, where you mentioned Josiah Gray, Kybert Ruiz could be within five years. If you don't make Kybert Ruiz is one of the best catchers in this game, I would be all about that. And Josiah Gray, we're going to get to see him. I think he has starts tomorrow, so good for him. <laughs> Conclude with this, and that was the arguably the best bat flip of the year uh, to a Brian Goodrum with uh, uh, White Sox. Nice. Uh, who uh, launched that bat? I think it almost went into the stands. Uh, he had that the <laughs> the hang. To, there's some pop flies that don't make it as high nice. as he chucked that uh, bat for the walk off. So look at that guy right there. That guy looks cool. You're gonna play for Texas and you're wearing a cowboy hat. Is that Jonah Heim? That's Jonah Heim. That I is bet. Jonah Heim. He walked it off two days in a row. I saw. Yep, and uh, he's got the the big uh, uh, Stetson on as well, so he fits that uh, team and and area to uh, to a T. So on that note, we'll uh, and we'll uh, recap baseball next week with uh, less flurry of moves. Now we'll see if teams were right in what they did. Uh, lots of moves made, lots of uh, plans made, and we'll see what comes to fruition. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Thank you.